This podcast is presented in a stereo audio format to preserve the integrity of ClapperCast's creative vision. Hello and welcome to ClapperCast, a weekly discussion of all things cinema. I'm your host, Carson Tamar, and today, once again, I'm happy to be joined by Alina Falls. How are you doing this week, Alina? I'm good. You know, I'm just doing the movies thing. <laughs> and Paul Price, how are you doing, Paul? I am doing well. I had a great week. I watched some really good movies. Any, I, any, so you watch more movies than what we're discussing on the podcast today, I assume. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 no. Just, <laughs> just one of them multiple times. <laughs> we'll get to it. Um, I think pretty much everyone's here for Zach, Zach, Zach Snyder's, there we go, Justice League. Uh, some people have been waiting years for it. We're going to discuss that, um, as well as comparing it to the original Justice League. Uh, we have more cape shit. We're talking about episode one of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We're talking about Happily. We have a couple news articles, um, including the Oscar nominations. We have them. Feels like they were announced months ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. We're going to break it down and discuss it. Um, but, you know, we've waited a, a couple years for Justice League. You can wait a little bit more. Let's start out with Happily. I love my wife. She loves me. I enjoy her company. And I am never going to apologize for that. Okay, well, I think- Everyone hates you. We are not the weird ones. You just grabbed his- What? No, I, I dropped, I dropped something. Uh, hello. Ma'am, I work for the city. Every few years, we encounter someone with a defect. You have sex 2.5 times a day on average. You rarely fight. Ah. After the injections, you will wake up tomorrow just like everyone else. You'll feel normal. Tom and Janet have been happily married for years, but his visit from a mysterious stranger leads to a dead body, a lot of questions, and a tense couple's trip with friends who may not actually be friends at all. To peel back the curtain a little bit, Paul, you were the one who really pushed for us to cover this film, this episode. I had no idea what this film was. I looked up the poster and it has like this horrendous poster that looks really cheap and really horrible. Um, and all I have to question is just like, what the fuck did you make us watch, Paul? What is this? Uh, you can start us off with happily. What did you do to us, Paul? Um, so I follow uh, the director on Twitter. So I've been seeing it. Um, I also really like Joel McHale and I like Carrie Bish. So it was like one of those things where I was interested just based on the initial like seeing the poster, seeing the poster is terrible, but I also understand that a lot of these posters are being made during COVID, so they're not able to be together. We're going to get some bad posters for a while. Um, that seems fair to me. But then um, we uh, decided to watch it, and I paid $12. I bought it on YouTube. I pre-ordered it, was very excited, and I have no clue what this movie was. It feels beyond a first draft in that <laughs> usually when you say oh a film's a first draft it's like there's a thought process but it's not all right there this felt like he came up with the idea wrote it and shot it within a week like <laughs> it is so confused and um 
it doesn't have a uh, it doesn't really have a moral that I can uh, kind of understand and I also I have never seen a movie with as much sex that is completely unneeded as this film I'm not even like the kind of puritanical whoever cares about that but I was like sitting there and I was like I'm so glad I didn't watch this with anyone it was just sex scene after sex scene after sex scene and then <laughs> I was like oh it's stopping nope it started back up again it's consistent um there the consistent sex is a plot point <laughs> that is <laughs> it's not fair. just because they want to have sex <laughs> <laughs> although we kind of it well <laughs> um but so J.J. Abrams and all those kind of people do these things like mystery boxes, which are like, oh, we're going to set up something. It's going to come back a couple times. And then at the end, we're going to mostly reveal it, but hold a little back. Like, I'm used to that. I was expecting that. This decides to go, um, I thought of Shaun of the Dead, where they have the sequence at the end of Shaun of the Dead, where they're about to explain the zombies and they turn off the TV and it's supposed to be a joke. Mm -hmm. But this was played straight and they, you know, mild spoilers they don't explain anything nothing is explained of all of the things that happened and you're just sitting there and you're like well so this was supposed to be somewhat real world <laughs> like there were so many points in this i was like oh okay something weird is happening and it's all going to like make sense at the end and so i was going with it and i remember just sitting there like please like this movie please like this movie like halfway through uh, I was like begging myself willing myself to like it I just I couldn't do it what do you think <laughs> it's definitely a film that makes choices which isn't always a bad thing uh it, sometimes it's a bad thing like here it's a bad thing like I said I went in expecting just like the since the poster was so bad I went expecting just like a shitty like made for tv like romantic drama um, and immediately it fires off the bat with like really weird visual designs where the ends of the uh, frame are blurred and it sets up this like very off-putting almost black mirror-ish world with like these concepts of love and like everyone hates these people because like they're in love and they don't fight and it's really almost like dystopian uh, but it never really finds its footing uh, this is much more of like a radioactive or tesla type film when it comes to like making choices it's not good uh, i feel really bad for the screen maker or the screenwriter or the director i don't know if they're the same person or not but clearly someone had their heart broken and then just like wrote this because they were like fuck love it doesn't exist it doesn't matter and it's really almost tragic to see i think this fails on like <laughs> nearly every level it's undoubtedly like fun at points but i think as a social commentary which clearly it is trying to be a social commentary uh the world it's reflecting is just not real like this is, it's not a film you can take stuff away from really when it comes to, like meditations on love and why so many relationships fail at this point right now like where we're living it doesn't do a good job of that yet it wants to so what you're left is this really kind of like weird dystopian black mirror romance like thriller comedy that just doesn't work at all. Like, praise for being ambitious. I think this film, like, it's above and beyond just like generic bad films. There's at least something here, but it doesn't work <laughs> at all. Uh, I was blown away just by how like crazy this film is though, because I was not expecting this. Yeah, um, well, and uh, to your point, uh, Ben David Grabinski wrote, produced, and directed. And I always find that that is a very murky water to get into when you have full creative control. 
because a weird decision, there's no one going, that's a weird choice. And sometimes it works. Look at Wes Anderson, look at, you know, all these directors who have full control, but then something like this, it's like, oh, you know, hey, let's pull back. Actually, let's give some people like uh, some real questions. Um, maybe you shouldn't have five couples in a movie with a 100% clear protagonist. Um, and that was one of my biggest issues is I don't know, like there's five couples, they're all important, the script says. I don't know two of the couples. Like <laughs> they're having a uh, final scene and I'm sitting there going, uh, did I know that? Um, specifically, um, Breckenmeyer and uh, Charlene Yee are truly just like out of nowhere with, <laughs> uh, they'll show up and I'm like, oh yeah, you guys are in this movie. And then they end up being sort of, I guess the emotional crux of the film. And it is the weirdest choice because <laughs> actually the two couples that end up mattering the most are uh, that couple and also um, the uh, Kirby Halbastiste and Shannon Woodward's characters. And <laughs> they're both like the least important up till that point. They have maybe like three lines. That being said, um, you know, there are some positives. I, I loved pretty much Natalie Morales' entire character. Everything about her, I was like, this is great. This is exactly what I was wanting from this movie. Um, her line about the car, um, talking about how shitty it is, is one of the funniest, like, individual, just quick moments I've seen in a movie in a long time. It just made me, like, burst out laughing. I had to go back and rewatch. Um, and then you have people like, you know, Paul Shear and Natalie Zia, who I don't really know what they're doing. Like their performances are really odd to me. Um, and it feels like maybe that was Grabinski allowing them to do what they wanted. And so all of them are coming at it from different perspectives. It feels like a very rushed production. Um, they hadn't really found their characters. And so they just kind of jumped in with whatever they'd practiced. Um, but yeah, uh, very bummed you... Uh, I think you some of that this, though, Carson. Think, oh, I picked this exactly. Um, no, I'd, I would have just picked a rewatch Nomadland over this again. Um, I, I, I think what it boils down to is just this film doesn't know what it wants to be. Whenever it tries to be a comedy, I think it is like actually funny. It has really funny comedic performances, like some really good small lines here and there. And like, I will say above all else, this film is at least watchable. Like I was glued to the TV, just like watching it. Even if I didn't like it, I think this is a very watchable, like I can make fun and have fun with the film. I mean, even just like when they're just continually having sex every single scene, like it is funny. Like I got chuckles <laughs> out of me. Like I was enjoying, you know, it was fun. Even if it was like, wow, this is a bad film. I think this works as a comedy. I think though, then it also tries to be this deeper context, deeper social commentary. And that's where the performances get mixed because on one hand you give them this ridiculous like humor and ridiculous lines and these you know crazy stupid concepts that are inherently funny because they're stupid but then you're also like no but it's also kind of serious and it just doesn't work there um I, I think that's really what it boils down to I think looking at it overall is just this is a very confused feature that tries to be more than it ever needs to be
Yeah, and um, I'll go to, you know, one of the gold standards of these type of movies is um, It's a Disaster, which I don't know if you've seen that. But um, those movies, it's like, uh, that movie in particular, it's the same kind of feeling of looking at these different couples and how they interact with each other during a larger than life event. But it 100% chooses to be a comedy. And I think that this one straddling the two is a real, a real issue. And I found myself at a point uh, not really interested in the main mystery, which is uh, an issue for this film. But, it, you know, like I said, there it leads to nothing. Uh, sorry, mild spoilers. Um, but in that way it's if this comedy had been stronger then that wouldn't have mattered but there are so many emotional beats especially in that last act it's like one after the other it keeps going um the whole side plot with their scientist friend is insane um it goes absolutely nowhere the only reason i can guess that he did it is he likes al madrigal and wanted to put him in the movie but he didn't fit in any of the couples. It really felt like this guy got a bunch of cast members and just like there, cause it's a great cast across the board. Like feels like he got drunk I, one weekend after a breakup became super, super, super depressed this weekend, got absolutely hammered or whatever for this weekend, wrote this, but then wrote a killer email pitch about it and send it to all of his LA friends. And then they just made the film quickly. And it feels like just that. It, it's interesting and I don't know his personal life, but it's interesting that you say that it's post-breakup. Oh, Jack Black's a producer. Hmm, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, that uh, now the, the people that he got makes a little bit more sense. Um, but uh, it's interesting because I see it as more of a defense of his relationships. I see him thinking he's more of the Joel McHale character and just let me be alone. You guys all suck. Um, I don't know why you'd be so cynical also, about love because this film is so fucking cynical about like the general culture of love. See, but I don't know if it is because the, uh, the whole premise of the movie is they are so in love and they continue to be in love. And the only reason that they're not in love is because society told them they're not in love. The yeah, only but that's assuming the society is telling you not to be in love and society is annoyed that they're in love. I, I don't I think, think you also, look, yeah. if, if you're in love and you're really loving it, I don't think you look at society around you and be like, they all hate love. Like, I don't think that's like, I feel like that's, unless you like, you have some stuff going on, but like, I mean, unless you're Sam Levinson would, but. <laughs> unless your friends literally, uh, but um, in a lighter note, I will say I really like Carrie Bish and Joel McHale. I also will say that um, Joel McHale is, so in shape in this movie and in general that I always don't feel like he's a real person like in this movie every time he had his shirt off I was like this is not a real human like he has no issues there's no problems <laughs> like and it's funny if you go through the letterbox almost every single review will be like by the way Joel McHale is the most ripped of any human ever <laughs> it's like it is wild I mean if you're gonna do 2.5 fucks a day not including oral <laughs> a, bunch of, a whole list of what else you have to be in shape kind of oh. that burns a lot of calories I will say that there are parts that I I think work and I think he could 
I don't want to say this is a calling card because I think it has a lot of issues, but I do think that he could in a second piece, correct some of the weirdness of this. And he, if he focuses more on the comedy, I think he does have some stuff that would be interesting. I wouldn't hate to watch another of his. I would just be very weary. I would not be spending $12.99. If he <laughs> took an extra weekend, stopped drinking or doing whatever he was doing, <laughs> and then like read through and revised, it would be good. No, I agree though. Like as a comedy, again, this works. Like just like stop being pretentious and thinking you have something to say about society and like it'll be good. Yeah. Not that hard. Uh, Barb and Star did, Barb and Star did it. And you know, yeah, you no, true. This reminded me almost of Barb and Star, just with like how like crazy it is at times, where it's just like we're really <laughs> doing it. But like this movie tries to play it off as like, oh, it's deep and it's kind of serious. Barb and Star didn't, luckily. Yeah, no, completely. <laughs> also, don't know your thoughts Sorry on the ending. Making... I hated the ending of this film. I thought it was oh. the most unsatisfying bullshit like, <laughs> ever. And we'll talk about bad I... endings soon. Very soon, we'll talk about horrible endings. Yeah, but this one I hate. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, this is, this was one of the, like, mo- it truly, the comedy just dies at the end of this movie. Um, and that was the part I was enjoying. Um, and I also, I got really frustrated um, when the stakes are ramped up, ultimately to nothing. Like, I don't care that these people hate each other. They always hated each other. They will probably hang out next weekend. Like, I saw nothing in this that was like, this is the end. The only ending is, uh, you know, the Charlene Yee and Brecken Meyer situation, which I think is like, it feels so written. Um, like, you can just feel the screenwriter in it and like him making like, you know, you know points or whatever um, about how he feels about certain things um, that just really infuriated me. Also... <laughs> The weirdest part, and it really threw me the first uh, while watching it, um, was when they introduce all the different couples at the very beginning when they're discussing them, and they're showing flash forwards to them like first showing up at the house. And when those scenes would happen again, I was like, "Are we in a time loop? Is that what this is?" <laughs> like, I did not know what was going on whatsoever and I know it's because they didn't have the budget to like go shoot them in their individual houses and you know uh Shannon Woodward and Hal Baptiste with their kids and all this but like it was just so confusing I was literally um it threw me for a good 15 minutes within the movie just because of that one choices yeah choices made (laughs) (laughs) i think that's enough i think that's enough stalling i think people get the point we've waited years for this at least some people have let's move on to boy here we go Zack snyder's justice league let's let's do it but in the dark strong enough 
If you can't bring down the charging bull, then don't wave the red cape at it. Determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat. Uh, if you, it's okay with you guys, I'm going to start us off with Zack Ryder Snyder, Zack Snyder's Justice League, because if you can say it, you can. <laughs> you know, hey, because I think I've probably been out of the three of us, the most outspoken on my utter hatred of this project. Um, and I, you know, I'll say first, I stand by why I didn't like the idea of this project coming together. I think the fandom is unbearable. Um, I think it's number one, just a fucking like breeding pool for like misogyny and just horrible, like horribleness. Um, also, it's just annoying. I would go to Comic-Con every year and there's that one year where like everything was released the Snyder Cut and the Snyder Cut didn't even exist. Like people just kept being annoying about it. So I don't like the fandom, found it annoying. I will fully say Justice League, the original one. Uh, and we'll talk about that and how it compares to Snyder Cut in a bit. I'll fully say Zack Snyder, I, I rid you of those demons. I hated the film. It was my least favorite theatrical experience I've ever had. Not my least favorite film, least favorite theatrical experience. Um, and even though I don't blame Zack Snyder, I didn't really particularly care to see his vision because I think he sucks as a director. I think looking at the DCEU, granted, don't like the DCEU at all. Um, I think his additions are clearly the worst shit. I hate Man of Steel, hate Batman v Superman. The Ultimate Edition's just kind of okay at best. It's you know not good. Um, so I wasn't excited to see his vision. I think it's important not just as a critic, but as a person, as a human being, to admit when you were wrong. I will say I'm wrong, Zack Snyder. You, you created a film. I I can't say it's good. I can't say I love this movie. But like, I can happily look you in the eye and shake your hand and say, you made a competently made superhero film. Um, I think there's clear issues. There's no need for this to be four fucking hours long. Granted, I think a lot of that's due to how the DCEU is structured. We'll talk about that also. Um, I think the action is just endless. The CGI is horrible, but that's again, a thing with the DC. The DC looks horrible. It's just a thing. Uh, the ending is genuinely one of my least favorite endings for any film I've ever seen. Um, but I think this is a very competently made film that did suck me in. I did ultimately care about the villain, even if he was cookie cutter. I, this team, it felt natural bringing these characters in. These characters felt worthy. And overall, especially for a four-hour film, I enjoyed it much more than I ever thought I would. So Zack Snyder, apologies. I'm sorry for the past five years. I said this was stupid and I hate you and I hate everything having to do with you. You made a decent feature here. What were your guys' thoughts on the Snyder Cut? So I also haven't been a huge fan of the DCEU. I used to really like Batman when I was a little kid. Like I had a Batman cake when I was four. Um, and then I kind of just like fell off the superhero thing. And then like I got back into it when all the Marvel movies were coming out. So like when Man of Steel and all those were coming out, I was excited and this was like eight years ago when Man of Steel came out. So I don't really remember what I thought at the time, other than I haven't wanted to rewatch it since then. So I watched that one first and I was like, this is better than I remember. Like, I think I was just really bored the first time, but I think now I think it's like a fine origin story. Like, it's not like the most amazing thing ever. I was like, this is better than I thought. And then I watched the Batman versus Superman Ultimate Edition. I remember really hating that when I first saw it. 
I think that was largely due to the, the theatrical experience though, because I went with my cousin and my little sister and we forgot to like buy tickets in advance. So we were like sitting in like the very, very front row when you have to like fucking look straight up at the screen and I hated it. And like the vibe in the theater was just like not good. And I think everybody walking out were like, what the hell did we just watch? But then rewatching the ultimate edition, I was like, this is not like amazing, but again, it's better than I remember. So like, I'm really shocked that my opinions have been changing this much. <sighs> and then with Wonder Woman, I didn't bother seeing that in theaters because I was just like done with DC. And I also like have an immense hatred for Gal Gadot not to get into the Israeli-Palestine conflict, but I just fucking hate her for political reasons. And so I remember I did not bother seeing Wonder Woman in theaters. I pirated it the first time because I wanted to know what everyone was talking about. It's a terrible fucking movie. I think everyone like overhyped it because it was like the first girl superhero movie and everyone was like, oh my God, girl power. She's boring. Wonder Woman in the DCU is a terrible character. There's like no layers to her and that really pisses me off because Diana is supposed to be really fucking cool. And I don't like that there's an oppressor playing Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot sucks ass. I hate her. I hope she listens to this and she knows how much I hate her. I just like don't like her. I think she's a bad actress and a bad person. Like she's not good. And then with Justice League, didn't even bother. Had no interest in seeing it. And I didn't have any interest in watching the Snyder Cut, except like I had to for this podcast. And I don't think I would have. And it was pleasantly surprising. Like there's no reason for it to be four hours long. But, you know, I will also admit that Zack Snyder surprised me. Yeah. I'm right there with you on um, expecting it to be bad. I um, had seen Justice League. I saw it right as it was about to go out of theaters um, by myself one afternoon. I, again, didn't really care to see it. I saw it. Um, I felt the same way I did about Transformers movies in that I know I watched it, but if you ask me what like certain plot elements were, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you how characters meet or anything other than like the things that like stick out as really like weird, um, specifically the Russian family, which I know is what everyone always talks about um, with the, the you know, Justice League or whatever people are calling it now. Um, so I went in to this expecting a four hour long, like just uh, joke fest. Um, I had like a drink beside me, ready to go. Um, I I absolutely loved most of this. Um, and as a superhero movie where I have yet to walk out of one and not go, that was great, however, and then list all of the things like as both a filmmaker or a nerd, um, I don't really like. Um, I can do that with this, but I don't want to because it is the closest to a true comic book movie. I There are segments where I look and I'm like, yes, that is exactly what would happen if this was written into a you know comic book series that you would get weekly. Each chapter feels like part of a six part like comic book. Um, you know, this fight sequences that are vague memories to me in the original, uh, the theatrical, I'm not going to call it the original because this is the original. This is what was supposed to come out, um, are just so much better. That being said, four hour time frame, um, I'm going to say it's a 
double-edged sword that we got this. It is the Zack Snyder's Justice League Ultimate Edition in that if it had come out in theaters, it would be shorter. If it was in theaters, it would have had reshoots. If it had come out in theaters, there would be significant differences. Um, the whole epilogue, which you guys um, alluded to, you can tell is the end of the movie, the mid-credit sequence, and the post-credit sequence added with the Joker. Like that is what those are. They would have been perfectly fine as a mid-credit and a post-credit. I think they should have been. I don't understand even in this like home theater release why you didn't do that. Um, it throw and I think it when you see a reaction from people talking about how long it is, it's because the movie ended. <laughs> the movie is over by the time that epilogue hits. Everything that that last thirty minutes is just it's nothing. Um, it's uh, an unrealized vision or possibly future realized. But I'm not gonna, you know, we can talk about that more in a second, but uh, initial reaction of it, um, I've watched it twice now. Um, I watched it by myself thinking I need to get it done for the podcast. My family wanted to watch it. I was down because, you know, I binged TV shows with them twice. I can do a four hour movie that we split in over two nights. Um, it, it just really works. Um, I think especially with the chapters, it feels a little less daunting to get through i'm sorry alina you had to binge <laughs> nine hours of dc content one day because i do think that that would hurt the overall feeling of it um but yeah it's just it's an interesting thing to realize that you were kind of wrong about something because uh my friend and i were had been making jokes about it and i wrote him halfway through and i was like i think this is actually good and he wrote back and he was like, LOL, okay. And then he watched it and it's around the same point. Um, when we rewatched the sequence, when we go to the sequence where um, they go underground to save the scientists, which is horrible in the, uh, the theatrical cut, <laughs> actually makes sense and is fun. It's shocking. It really is just like in a really unique way, just a different film. Um, I'll let you guys go and then we'll, get into its comparisons i guess i know it's a very humbling experience paul to be proven wrong once in your life you know it's a rare <laughs> thing to happen so i'm happy that you got this experience finally you know you i think we've all been waiting for that um i i do push back on your idea that it feels long because the last 30 minutes are and like are meaningless because i think it feels long for multiple other reasons. Number one, the action, simply just because there's so much of it that eventually it becomes just white noise seeing all these CGI characters fight in the pretty much same exact ways. I think that's very challenging. But I think the biggest issue with the film as I alluded to before, but now I want to get into is the larger DCU as a concept. Cause I think that hurts this film and Batman v Superman much more than anything else. They rush Justice League and they rush Batman v Superman. Even if you watch, cause I, over the week, once of one film a night, I watched pretty much all the DCU again before this film. And you starts off with this origin story for Superman, but then it immediately jumps into this other story. The next story, the next progression is Batman v Superman, where Superman is now challenging like his views on his relationship with the US government, but it's not really well established. And then you have Batman and it rushes into Justice League. And I get the logic of like a cyborg movie after Justice League would probably draw more money than before Justice League because no one knows who the fuck cyborg is, right? And it's different than Marvel. Marvel did all the individual 
individual movies, then they build up to the big premiere, like the big grouping event. But the issue with this is that it has to spend so much time setting up these characters, which is a large portion of this movie. An hour and 30 minutes in, you're meeting Cyborg, I think, for like the first time where you're getting his origin story. And you're getting these origin stories throughout the first two hours because it has to set up those films. It has to set up not just those films, but those characters. And it has to do that. And I think that drastically hurts this film. I also think the fact that there's been no momentum of the DCU really since this really hurts the later half of the film where it's clearly setting up these other films that I simply number one have no interest in because it's been years since you know they started building to these films and there's been no development the fact that in 2021 there's no news of our cyborg film or our flash film is like ridiculous there's been a couple spin-offs we got Aquaman we got you know Birds of Prey the Suicide Squad um, you know, Shazam and all these kind of side projects that kind of tie in. But this main story I've lost interest in because you build this up three years ago, you hyped up, oh, we're going to do this, this, and this. And we still have no news on them. Well, I think it really hurts this film because it's impossible for me to care really when you're setting up these huge films that I'm never going to see. I'm never going to get those payoffs. Well, but I will say, I don't think you can see this film outside of it's 2017. Um, Wonder Woman comes out earlier this year. You know, um, I think what was Justice League, uh, Dawn of Justice was the year prior, maybe two years before. Um, it was the year before, second. and then Man of Steel was 2013. So there was like a three-year gap between Man of Steel and um, Batman v Superman. Okay, so yeah, think of it this way. Batman v Superman's hitting. Next year is Justice League, and I think the year after that is Justice League 2. And then in between there is supposed to be Aquaman, and then after Aquaman is Flash. And then um, I think Cyborg is after Cyborg. Justice League 2. Yeah. Like, and then, um, yeah. And then Justice League 3 and whatever they were planning outside of that. Uh, yeah. If we're going to talk about like, you know, structure of the, um, the DCEU as a whole. No, Warner Brothers has been screwing us up. They have the better roster in terms of like characters that people know they blow Marvel out of the water. Like Marvel at the time didn't have Spider-Man. They didn't have the X-Men. They didn't have, you know, the Fantastic Four. They had all the B-listers um, and they were able to make movies off them. They even do like, you know, their team-ups. They introduce, because most people don't consider the, the Hulk as a real part of the MCU. They introduce the Hulk and they introduce, um, you know, they introduce Wanda and Vision and all those characters all within uh, one of the Avengers films. I think that you can do it. Um, and that's what I'm, you know, I'll go back on. I do agree that this is for a theatrical cut. It is too long. I don't mind the length. There are some points. I mean, we can talk for 10 hours about the entire decision with the um, hot dog bun and the hot dog during the uh, saving Iris scene, uh, which is the one point in that movie where I just go, okay <laughs> um and i saw someone on twitter say that it's the perfect scene to talk about snyder in that it's beautiful filmmaking it's emotional it's you know really just amazing to look at and then weird choices and um you know actually i'll go back to what we just talked about with happily same thing this feels like warner brothers came with their tail between their legs and said snyder do what you want and he did this is unchecked, you know, Snyder. This is the fullest scope of Snyder. Um, and that's one of the things you can actually look at with his entire filmography. 
he no man should be able to do director's cuts of every single movie he does because that means that the original premise was too long and if you look every single time we relitigate his movies we're using the ultimate editions we're using the long ones we're using these four-hour movies and we're going actually this movie's great and it's like yeah this four-hour movie is great but you had a time frame maybe he's just broken it with this i don't know people are watching a four-hour movie maybe like we're about to go back to gone of the wind gone with the wind style like movies can be as long as we fucking want and people will you know then you don't release it in theaters you can release it on HBO Max. I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I do think that what he was working with, which was a studio wants a two-hour movie, and he does this, the first half of this movie is a movie. You give it a different villain or, you know, you make somehow, you can cut it. We need to bring back Superman. It is Empire Strikes Back. We've done this. There is some cool aspects that you can, you know, um, build to. And cut it and continue this movie and everyone would have been perfectly fine with it but he doesn't do that he continues the whole movie for another film it's worth of movies even like you look on their twitter and they say hey pause between parts four and five it's like okay well then that's a, if you're literally offering people to take a break um yeah well, May, Alina, you can go after. I just really want to quickly clarify. What I'm saying is not that Zack Snyder, God, I cannot talk today. I'm so, sorry to everyone listening to the audio podcast for the person who cannot talk. Um, what I'm saying is not that Zack Snyder does a bad job here. I think it co- is impressive. I think it stands to the testament of him as a filmmaker, what he's able to do, because I think the structure and the logic that he's given is so flawed. The fact that he's able to create such a competent four-hour feature that feels like one movie, even though it really should be two features, I think it's fundamentally flawed, but not because Snyder does a bad job here. I think he does a great fucking job with what he's given. I think the material he's given and the expectations put on him by the studio is the issue, but it's not due to execution. It's due to philosophy that he was given. I don't think if he could sit down and he just had unlimited money and could do whatever he wanted, I don't think he would do justice like at the point he did justice like i think he'd probably do another man of steel between man of steel and batman v superman he would do more films i fully believe he was just given the task of hey you have to take us from batman v superman to the end of justice league in one two-hour feature and it has to be only two hours you know even with just four hours that's a huge fucking task but i think he does a good job with it and the fact that it's good even if it's not great that is an impressive uh feat I think the problem with like the DCEU is just largely Warner Brothers interfering so much because there's stuff to it. We just don't have the time to flesh it all out properly. And like the release is just stupid because like if Man of Steel came out in 2013 and then the second movie, Batman vs. Superman, doesn't come out for like three whole years. Like they could have had movies in between that and like fleshed out more characters and kept people interested because I remember I was like 16, I think, when Man of Steel came out. So I was 19 when Batman versus Superman was coming out. And like Marvel movies, there was like at least two a year. You were always had something looking forward to it. But when Batman versus Superman was coming out, I was like surprised that like Henry Cavill's Superman was back. I was like, oh, I didn't realize we were doing something with this. It's been three fucking years, you know? Um, and I don't know, just like the timing for the DCEU just seemed like all off because 
a lot of people were also like just really ready on like Ben Affleck as like Batman just because we had just wrapped up like the Dark Knight trilogy (sighs) I don't know like it seems super like rushed and just like not at the same time because like that three-year gap just really bothers me in between Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman because like I don't know I just when those were all coming out I just happened to lose interest in them because Marvel just had like a better overall arc and I think if Warner Brothers had just let Zack Snyder continue the arc instead of worrying about catching up with like Marvel and all the like box office money people we'd still be like putting the DCEU movies out we wouldn't just have stopped at the 2017 Justice League I also watched the Snyder Cut version before the Joss Whedon version um, because I hadn't seen the Joss Whedon version, like I said, and Paul thought it would be fun if I watched the Snyder one first to see if like like my opinion would be different. And I don't know if I should have done that because I feel like I don't hate the Joss Whedon one as much as I thought because it just feels like a condensed version of the Snyder Cut to me. Uh, preface with that, I thought you had previously watched the Whedon version. And if I had known that, I probably would have, have done that. Because um, yeah. I did. I watched before. I've watched so much of this Justice League movie. <laughs> like <laughs> this year. I've watched it. its iterations four different times. Um, so uh, I watched right after. And it was a massive difference for me. But I'll let you... That is well, an interesting like, perspective that it doesn't, because like, I think when you come to the perspective of the first one is like fucking horrendous. I think that's one of the reasons this seems so like the grass is super green because it's alive. It's not like dead, burnt dirt, you know, it's it's actual grass. I was going to yeah. say, even like the plot points, like that I personally did not understand what was going on. You just saw it. So exactly. it's like reading like, yeah. Yeah. Reading the kid's and, version of a- And like for me- um. I had like just finished Batman versus Superman then I went into Wonder Woman then I immediately started like the Snyder Cut so like it was all just like a continuous story the way it was like originally supposed to be intended so I didn't see the version that everybody hated until afterwards so like to me I didn't hate it just felt like a shorter version of the Snyder Cut because that's honestly what it is it didn't feel like there was that much missing probably because I just watched the longest shit version but I do prefer the Snyder Cut um yeah my problem is just like the length and then another thing I like Zack Snyder's movies honestly I was looking back at his filmography and the ones I've seen I like um my problem with his movies largely is like the fight scenes like the climax scenes like I always just got bored towards like the ending so I was like okay this fight is dragging on and on and on I've had enough I'm bored just fucking please can we end the movie so I think for me, I like Zack Snyder's fine. I have nothing against him. I like his movies. Just like fucking my guy, you need to cut down the kites, the fight scenes. I'm tired. That's so funny because I think that last fight sequence is up there is maybe one of the, and maybe like watching it outside of a four hour movie. But that final fight sequence is, uh, you look at Endgame, which everyone talks about. Everyone's there together. Yeah-ish. They have the little running sequence, but they never all fight together. This, um, one of the things I really enjoyed about the final fight sequence is I went, this guy is very tough. They cannot win alone. 
they're all working together. And you know what? I like that he, you know, they set up Steppenwolf to personally screw up all these different individuals. And so when they finally are like, now we're going to kill him. All of the people they've set up in that, you know, three sequence fight, it's like, uh, you know, the three punch to, you know, the end of the film. Um, I'm like, yes, all of these people have a reason to be specifically mad at him. And I really appreciated that. Um, it feels like, you know, uh, look at what everyone quotes from Endgame. And, you know, I'll reference Endgame a lot, even though this is closer to, I would assume, Age of Ultron. Um, maybe the original Avengers. I'm not sure where you would do a one-to-one -one comparison, but in terms of the fight sequence, this is, this is Endgame. And remember, this is before Endgame. Like, I do think if this had come out, we would be looking at the uh, Russo brother movies differently because they would feel the same. Like, I think we're going Justice League 3 right up against um, Endgame. I think, <laughs> I think it would have been a very interesting conversation, especially because based on what they are prefacing, it's the same damn movie. Like, I would be interested if there was some espionage going on within the script writing because it is the same format. First one they win, second one they lose, third one they go back in fucking time and re undo it and have a final battle. <laughs> it's the same, it's the same premise, which is why when they're talking about the future, I'm very curious about what they're, uh, I feel like they didn't do this without a plan to maybe restore the Snyderverse um, if it did as well as it is. Um, this is going so much better than they expected. I can promise you they were not expecting the reactions to be a solid 78 on Rotten Tomatoes for most people who wanted to hate it. Like you even read the reviews of people who hated it and you're like, you like, there are definite issues, but you went in so ready to hate this and we're just proud that you could be the first one to write the negative review. Um, but tangent. Um, yeah, in terms of like a overall vision, I see what he was trying to do. I totally agree with you on the movies. Although when you look at the original Marvel movies, it goes Iron Man, um, it's Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, and then there's a bit of a period. I think it's two years before we get Captain America, Thor, all those. And then it's four years on from uh, Iron Man to um, the first Avengers movie. Um, so I'm not exactly sure. Like, you've got to test the waters. If everyone had hated uh man of steel which people didn't love it but if everyone had just despised it you don't do a whole cinematic universe of that um you know they i do think that they should have had a man of steel 2 which i assume that's what they thought batman v superman was supposed to be maybe name it man of steel 2 batman v superman i don't know I'm not going to get into their marketing but um i think that they do set it up as best as they could if I'm going to be honest, I think you leave out Aquaman for this one, introduce him in the next one, because I don't want a pre-movie with Cyborg or Flash. They're both not supposed to be heroes at this point. They're just starting. I don't want to see them like doing minor tasks while we're waiting for things to ramp up. All of these movies are big operatic nonsense. Maybe give them a series. You know, we can do that now. <laughs> they, they can have that, but... uh yeah, I just, um, that's the one thing where I'm a little stuck on with you guys saying that there should be a movie before because I'm like, 
yeah, but would we want it? Like if we watched the Flash movie and he's still going to be like a nobody when this movie starts because he needs to be to join the Justice League, <laughs> are we going to be like, yes, I loved watching Ezra Miller stop random bad guys. You could do a Shazam type thing. I think there's definitely yeah. ways to write that. I didn't like Shazam. I, I don't either. necessarily want like a Flash movie or like an Aquaman or whatever, like before Justice League. Like, yeah, I think a second Superman would have helped or maybe just like a fucking Batman movie. I would have liked a Ben Affleck Batman movie. He gets so much shit and he's not a bad Batman at all. Like his voice is fucking robotic and annoying in um, Batman versus Superman, but I he was fine in Justice League. And I'm like, why did this guy get a lot of hate? Like, yeah, Christian Bale is like a great Batman, but like but fucking Ben Affleck didn't deserve all that hate. He's fine. I liked him. And like... When he's talking to Alfred, he makes all these references of like, oh, I've been fighting crime in Gotham for 20 years. I'm like, I, don't, I want to see what Batman's doing. It would have been nice. And then it could have like helped with his perspective of like why he hated Superman so much in Batman versus Superman. Like if there was just one more thing between Man of Steel and then BVS, I would have liked that. It doesn't matter if it's like a second Superman or like a Batman or something like I just need more. It's too rushed for me. I agree. I think though, like the DCU, one of the strongest points in this entire franchise, in this entire universe is the cast they have. I think this is a great cast. I really don't hate, you say what you want about Gal Gadot as a person. I think every single one of these characters in this film, minus our boy, which we'll get to, um, I think is like really genuinely quite good in their performances. I think they have a lot of chemistry. It's, you know, it has enough variety to where none of them feel stale. Like I do really enjoy this cast and what they're delivering. Um, I, I, I just wish, like you said, they just handled like writing these characters and building these characters better. Um, but I mean, as I mentioned, I think the only one that stands out in this film bad is Jared Leto, which like pains me this entire <laughs> fucking film. They're like hype Joker. And this entire time I'm waiting for Jared Leto very end in the stupidest dreams. Like why? Anyways, past what the sequence itself is. He is horrendous in this film. I, even as someone who will defend him in Suicide Squad, he was doing something very different, hugely supporting character, needed more time to flesh out what his Joker was like. Here he is genuinely horrendous. But past him, very supporting role. Um, I think everyone works really well. I will also say, in the terms of cinematic universes, shit on the DC and how they handled it all they want, better than the Dark Universe. You have to give it that. This is better than the Dark <laughs> Universe did. So I'll also say that. Uh, it's really funny. I'm getting, I've gotten three notifications on my uh, phone while we've been talking um, where various sites are discussing what's happening next um, on the Justice League. What, what do they do? Um, which I guess is a good way to move into the, the Whedon because they have opened Pandora's box at this point. You cannot like... <laughs> The reason they were holding this back and not just quickly releasing it a couple of years ago um, or whatever is this splits like a multiverse, splits the uh, the DCEU. There is no going back to, oh, we're, you know, doing these random movies. Like the Flash seems to be in jeopardy to me in terms of like fan reactions, the new Superman, um, the new Batman even. Um, people will like that, but you can tell that is not what the <laughs> will not even remotely be the same as the DC EU at all. It's closer to um, the Joker. And 
you know, they had a plan. And uh, before we go into Whedon, I think you also have to talk about um, Suicide Squad. So, you know, uh, people who are listening to this who are nerds already know this. Uh, Donna Justice got knocked for being too dark. They had already fucking shot both Justice League and uh, Suicide Squad. And the powers that be at Warner's decide to chop them up and do things differently, literally firing the directors in both cases. Um, so Suicide Squad comes out and it's made by the people who edited the trailer. It's by a company called Trailer Park. And like, <laughs> they're, you know, I know some of the people that worked it, but they're not movie people, they're trailer people. That's why it feels like a two hour long trailer. You know, I'm now a release the air cut guy. Like it's just so embarrassing, Fuck but off. Uh, but no. If you put thing, that in your bio I, or in your handle, I will block you. On <laughs> no, Twitter. no, no, no. I don't no, even care that I know you. I will automatically block you. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I'm just saying, like, I think that you know. Okay, we'll go with restore the Snyderverse. Is that better? Uh, I I'll feel mute like you. I won't block you. <laughs> you're getting to a point. We were getting to a point where these movies actually had like a vision. They, you know, same as go watch Iron Man 2, go watch Incredible Hulk, all these movies where they were just finding Captain America First Avenger, all these movies where they're finding like their footing. And Warner Brothers wanted that money that they would have gotten. Honestly, if this came out in a way that like is two and a half hours long, maybe three hours, you know, same as the Avengers times, um, I think they, seriously contend to beat or at least fight up against the mcu mm-hmm. um all they just needed was some patience yeah i don't even don't think that's true end. look at aquaman aquaman came out after this i'm pretty sure and it made a shit ton of money like that did really 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 well right no i mean that's that's a fair assumption but i also think that that was still on the same it's the same as wonder woman this Individual movies seem to be a little more of the director's taste. Um, Shazam, all these movies that like are a little more comedic, a little more uh, light, and then the big movies are bigger. Same as what we're doing with the uh, the MCU, uh, just to a harder extent. I think that you know uh, Aquaman is as dark as you know an Avengers movie, and then these are as dark. And I think that they were a little scared about you know this is rated R. I mean that's one of the things we haven't discussed is there's a lot of blood. There's some very stupid cussing. Um, it's like, you know, there is some stuff to like, uh, you know, acknowledge about that. Joker came out, which I don't, I would love to know the backroom negotiations on. Yeah, our entire, <laughs> you know, DCEU is falling apart. Let's put all our money on this character study of the Joker. It's psychotic. I mean, it worked for them. Uh, whether or not you like the Joker, it is probably the reason we have a, you know, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Because they went, oh, look, this rated R movie got, you know, an Oscar. <laughs> sure, let's uh, let's throw our money into another uh, rated R movie that maybe the fans will like. They do. So, um, you know, they've really screwed themselves. And it's interesting to, uh, with all of that context, go back to the Whedon cut. And Alina, I'd like to hear uh, some of your reactions since you're seeing it as Deborah Snyder and all of these people who worked on the movie and like had this other, you know, version um, thrust upon them. 
We stand Paul calling, like interrogating Alina. <laughs> well, like I watched it this, so I watched the Snyder Cut last night. I went to sleep, fucking exhausted out of my mind. And then I woke my ass up and had a uh, monster coffee thingy. And I just sat through this movie expecting it to be terrible. And I was like, well, this is the exact same thing I watched last night. Just missing some stuff. So I don't care because I know what's missing. So it honestly does not matter at all. Like you could watch the Snyderverse and then just like, you don't have to watch it again. Cause this just is fine. You don't need to fill in all those things. You honestly don't. Like, I feel like my opinion would be different if I had seen the Joss Whedon version first, because I wouldn't like, it's fine. It's not as bad as people like said it was. I think if I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I shouldn't have watched them out of order. That is interesting though. So now like we know for sure, like if you haven't seen the Whedon cut, just skip it and watch Snyder cut. You don't need to watch both. It doesn't matter. Like there's differences of course, especially in like the story, like in the Snyder when Cyborg's dad dies and then Joss Whedon when he doesn't. And then at the end he's like alive and then like him and like Cyborg are bonding. I was like, okay, that's different. Um, but like one big bad villain like dark side or whatever his name is isn't in the joss whedon one so i don't think at all i can't remember honestly um it's mostly just like steppenwolf which i think is such a dumb name because i just like keep thinking of that like one rock band and i'm sure like that's not what it's referencing to but it just bothers me i don't like his name <sighs> and then like there's less aquaman stuff there's less flash stuff there's less cyborg and i was like hey whatever like I don't need all that. I don't really care about these characters as much. Like I like Aquaman, but I don't really care about Cyborg or like Flash. So I don't know. I think if you like care for the DC characters, you're going to be upset about that. But like, I don't, I haven't seen Aquaman yet. I feel like I should. Um, so I don't know. It is complete trash. You don't need to watch Aquaman. I hate Aquaman. See, and I love Jason Momoa. Yeah, he's hot. We um, get it. Like, actually, yeah, I guess then watch it. But like, uh, you know. No, I Okay, there are aspects of Aquaman oh. that I think are fun. Now, like the the there's a couple fight sequences that are we're ta not talking about spending sixteen dollars. We're talking about spending two hours of your life and finishing. And you can do you. so much more with two hours than watch. Aquaman. <laughs> oh, it's like Aquaman you can watch on Netflix of Zack Snyder's. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, yeah. you honestly could, and that'd yeah. be a better waste of your time. Uh, uh, no, I, I think likes Aquaman though. Did they not? Yeah, it's no, a like, lot of people uh, no, do. Like, it's in I, the top yeah. 100 movies, like, or the top, like, 250 box office or whatever. People yeah, like no, it. Well, it made a ton, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's, I think it's a fine movie. I don't find the villain particularly interesting, although he is, <sighs> should the Snyderverse be restored, he is supposed to be one of the main villains, so you should probably watch it. Um, I did what Alina did, except I had previously seen uh, the you know, Joss Whedon version twice. Um, once when it originally released, once in preparation for this podcast, after having watched Zack Snyder's Justice League twice, I was like, you know what, let's do this. I am bored. I'm not really doing anything. Let's put it on. And I just want to see like, if I'm remembering it as just being like a shorter, clumpier, colorful version. No. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the things that like, um, you know, I do think, having watched before that uh and maybe you know 
uh, Alina would notice at some point, not crushed, and it's nothing like it's totally understandable. I didn't know that you hadn't watched it um, ahead of time, but um, I would say five percent of the movie is similar, and I don't mean five percent of the editing. No, every scene is reshot. Every scene they redid the entire film. There's, it didn't feel like that to me. It's so, so funny. Completely disagree. There was a the plot itself is the eighty percent the same. same. You know no, what I was I shocked by it. was how much of it felt similar because originally everyone was like, "Oh, seventy percent of it was reshot," but it feels like it. Literally, I agree with Alina totally. That's one thing that stuck out to me was how much it felt like they reworked the scenes and changed the tone and color grading. Have and you such. Re- have you rewatched? Uh, yeah. Since. Yeah, I just watched it like well days oh. before Star Cut. Oh, that, but that's what I'm saying. Once you go rewatch, there's like there's scenes that I understood as the same, but going back, there are huge differences. Um, Agreed. It's it was it's, it's even lines that um, are changed to be more uh, Whedon-y, more memorable, which um, people have like quoted. Um, I saw one person say the one line I really missed was um, when somebody says, what about our families? And he says, why did everyone keep saying that? Um, And in this one, he says, then you have weakness. Then you have weakness is what I want. I just want like a quick, like, it's not an important line. Just move on. Uh, This like whole like jokiness to um, uh, uh, a lot of uh, Stephanie. it reminded yeah. me a lot of like what the Avengers is like. The Avengers are very quippy. The Justice League is not. Um, so like when I was watching the Joss Whedon one, I was like, oh, this is mildly funnier. It's, yeah. it's so funny. I, <laughs> See, I, but I hate the comedy. I, I agree. There's more. Yeah, fun, I was going to say I hate the comedy. Yeah. yeah well, Whedon, uh, Whedon's uh, quippiness is never. I mean, I'm not a fan of Buffy. I'm not a fan of. I've never connected with him. I don't find, you know, all these people sitting there going, oh, I wanted you know, Firefly back. I watched Firefly. I watched Serenity. I don't need any more. It's just, I find a lot of his stuff to be, you know, lowest common denominator a bit. Um, but <laughs> I just sounded very snooty talking about how much I love the Snyder Cut and then saying that Joss, we, <laughs> I apologize to people who like Joss, um, liked. Um, but no, it's, it starts out and um, the, uh, we have that cell phone footage of Superman, which is insane knowing that like they reshot that. They were sitting there with a fully completed film and we're like, you know what this needs? <laughs> like footage of a very poorly animated uh, well, Superman. And that's one of the things you can actually tell is yeah. when there's reshoots, especially with Superman, is it's the lip. Like <laughs> you can watch the lip flip even, um, most notably in the fight between um, Superman and the Justice League. Um, you know, uh, when Wonder Woman's pleading for his humanity, um, <laughs> normal guy. When he goes up to Batman and says, do you bleed? <laughs> Which is, I hated that oh, part. It's it was so cringy. I was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it also makes no sense because he's not supposed to have like any sort of like He's just pure id at that point. Um, But they, um, you know, I saw this line from Ray Fisher and it said, the only scene they kept of me in the entire uh, Whedon cut is when I'm introduced to um, 
Commissioner Gordon. And I was like, that's bullshit. There's no way. I went and rewatched. He is 100% true. There is not one sequence in that movie that is the same between every Ray Fisher scene is different. And, you know, uh, I, I'll admit I was one of those people who thought it was a little like uh, overhyped. Like he totally had um, valid reasons for being upset and all this. But the extent to they were saying he was the heart and all this stuff, I thought that that was all just like um, additional, like just talking. But um, no, he's right. It, he's 100% right. I was wrong. Uh, he, he is completely out of this movie. He's barely in it. His whole storyline is he doesn't want to be a robot versus his uh, frustration with his father. Um, his father's in it, but it's mainly about I don't want to be a robot. And it's like your option was death. In the Joss Whedon version, it seems very like, you know, well, why would you care? This in the other, uh, in the Snyder Cut, you can see like a little bit more. Um, there's even sequences like um, the constant conversation about the mother box is very interesting. Um, yeah, I didn't notice that he calls the fucking mother boxes mother every time he talks about them. They're supposed to be his mother for some reason. Like it's his like, like he was birthed from the mother boxes in the Joss Whedon version, um, which I like, remember people making fun of, but I didn't notice until you've watched the other one and you're like, oh, this is weird. This is his reason for being is um, the fear with the parademons is new. There's so many things that you sit there and you can start seeing studio needling that is just fascinating. Um, and that's what about halfway through, um, which is only an hour in, which is where the movie really starts deviating. I was just sitting there like, wow, this is, you can see like studio notes, like every single person involved was like, what about this? And Whedon was just like, sure, why not? Like they're just tossing stuff in at some point. Um, there's a sequence where um, the flash takes a Sharpie and draws all over a guy mm -hmm. and it's supposed to be endearing, but it's long. <laughs> it's a full like two or three minute sequence of uh, him just and I don't know what it's supposed to introduce it's the same introduction as like you know we're either going to use him saving Iris or this um, <laughs> there's uh what was another one um oh um one of the weirdest choices though and I feel like this might have been a last second thing was um every scene with Wonder Woman she references Steve Trevor. Mm -hmm. It's shoved in there. Like <laughs> she will talk about Steve. Tre if she is in a scene, Steve Trevor is mentioned, which. Okay. Hold on. I haven't Go seen ahead. Wonder Well, you can cut this, but like, how does Steve Trevor come back to life? Cause I haven't seen Wonder Woman 1984 and I don't think I will. How the fuck does he come back? Cause it hasn't been ruined. For no, yet. Paul, don't act like it's bad. Oh my gosh. Just please tell me. I really, I it's can't. It's bad? Oh, no, it's, it's not bad. And does he it's, die it's again? Very Okay, so here's the thing that makes the Justice League insane. And I feel like this is fine for the podcast. Yeah. Um, she deals with his death. Basically, um, he comes back through a mystical watch or ring. I don't remember. It was very dumb. But anyway, he comes back because she wished him back to existence. Oh my God. And then it takes away her powers. It's like a monkey's paw situation. She loses her powers. Um, and she decides she needs her powers and to save humanity more than she loves Steve Trevor. And he's like, yes, that's what we need to do. Technically, he's the one who comes up with it. It's very dumb. But 
she decides. So that fits. And this is what, um, you know, when you read about the other um, directors who were all pro uh, Snyder, talk about like, we followed Snyder's vision, not um, the Whedon cut. That, she's done. <laughs> she is 100% done with Steve Trevor at the end of uh, Wonder Woman 2. But yeah. she has been mourning. Now it's <laughs> like, so she did her mourning in the fucking 80s <laughs> yeah. and is still referencing this guy who's been dead like what nearly it's the love of your life you got you thought he was dead you mourned him you i mean you it's still you hard. knew him for then a in week <laughs> you get him back for like a week and then you have to accept the fact like you have to accept saying goodbye to him she i'm is, fine with she that is, he loses she him is, twice Right? So she, she was the second five, time. Okay. She is 5,000 years old. And she has. Yeah. But it's a guy Chris for two Pine. It's, it's Chris love. Pine. It's Chris oh, Pine. I would feel the happily? same way. You, no. Not, happily, it's not um, the real world. Love exists, Paul. No, no, no. no but I just, Wonder Woman 2 but is really good, Alina. Okay. <laughs> I'm the only one who will say that to you, but trust me, it's good. I guess um, I really like Chris Pine. That's all. Oh, no. I that didn't dislike him. Do you actually have the best Chris? Best Hollywood Chris? Yeah. So hot. No. I like Evans. I mean, he's He's like, it's not bad. changes. I think right now it's Pine. Um, Anyway, this is a tangent, but I really, this makes um, more sense now. So I need to know. Okay. uh, I will say that my big fan theory I've been very excited about that did not come to pass in Wonder Woman 2, which is probably why I also don't like it, is I was so fucking certain since the wonder woman scene that chris pine was going to end up being uh, a green lantern it made perfect sense you're supposed to sacrifice yourself to get powers of the green lantern he blows up he disappears he comes back i thought he was going to be a green lantern i was so ready he would have been the best green lantern you told me that not. and i think that would have been cool yeah. <laughs> it was so i was like so ready and then i was like watching the movie like because oh, like, he's a when- he's a magical and Oh, yeah. Also, he possesses the body of someone. <laughs> okay. But, like, there's that part when Wonder Woman is telling the, like, Age of Heroes story, and, like, there's, like, a Green Lantern in it. So, like, why? He could have been. That would have been fun. Oh, also, I did not remember that was in Whedon. Like, I was watching it in the Snyder Cut, like, whoa. <laughs> it's in Whedon. It just yeah. happened so quickly. Like you blink, it's gone. But um, I think the thing I don't like about Gal Gadot is I think she's just so monotone. Like, I think she's just a boring actress because everything she says is very monotone. See, okay. So I will say, and this is, uh, I understand that the acting is not up to par of the rest of them. 100% I'll agree with you there. However, for this Wonder Woman, combined with how the rest of the Amazons are acting, it works for me personally. Um, Cause I don't think she really does have a like um, real understanding of how to speak like a, a human. Um, I feel like they're also pushing towards that a little bit like in how they're scripting her now. Um, but I do think like when she, you know there's a certain like feeling that she misunderstands jokes. She's not funny. Like, she's like the one that they're like, oh, she's very powerful, but like, 
she's not one of the team. We're not going to go yeah, grab beers wait, with, you know, Wonder that, Woman after. There's this one part in like the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer where like Kristen Wiig is like the cat or whatever. And she's literally just like supposed to be surprised. And she's literally just like, Barbara, what did you do? And I was like, why the fuck do we cast her as Wonder Woman? Like, just please. I just need something um, more. I agree like, with the point. Funniest- like, they make it a point that her character is bad at socializing. Like, she doesn't have, like, a very big point in Wonder Woman 1984 is, like, she's alone. She has no friends, no romance, nothing. Well, she's just bad at You'd think uh, she'd be slightly surprised. Just slightly. Just give me something. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I she can't argue they're not, there. They're not real friends. Uh, uh, like, you have, but, like, it does, it, like, it's, it is one of the things, like, one of your co-workers turns themselves into a cat. You'd be like, oh, Barbara, right? what'd you do? <laughs> yeah. It kind of made sense to me in context. Um, and I'm no. not, like, a big Gal Gadot fan. Um, we don't I mean, stand her. She's not Jared Leto. We're not joining your cult. <laughs> Gal- Gal- Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. I do love her as Wonder Woman. I do think that there are other actresses that could have been fine, but if I'm going to go with the one person who I want to recap, unfortunately, it's Jason Momoa. Um, but that's, Wait, I love right. Jason Momoa. I don't think he's, I don't find, I never look at that man and go, that's Aquaman. It's like, I think he's perfect for that role. For what they want, well, granted, I don't know if I like yeah. what they want out of the character, but with what they want that's, out of the that's character, he's perfect. As a, as a like big <laughs> the one thing I very much noticed about the uh, DCEU, and I noticed it the most in that final shot when they're like panning across everyone, I was like, could we not have one blonde person? <laughs> like, <laughs> you could change anyone to be blonde, but every single person is just a brunette. Just I all think the it's way cool. <laughs> I think it's cool. I, we're just talking about DC in general now, but I think it's cool that like Aquaman is like Polynesian esque because, like, oh no, I. I, I like oceans that. I and just... whatever. I think it's cool. I like yeah, Jason Momoa. Cool. I haven't seen all. It's also the fact that it's also the fact that he's hot. He's one of the few, yeah. like, one of the only he's men so in my hot life. In real life. Oh no, I was just about to say one of the <laughs> only. Me- I think we've talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. One of the yeah. only men to make me stop my tracks in person and be like, "Whoa." <laughs> yeah, like he's jet. Like he fucking lives up to his attractiveness in real life. Like oh, I fucking it. locked eyes with him at um fan expo one year, and I we was, had like, definitely have talked about this within yep. the yeah. past like week. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't remember I why we talked in, about it in the past, but like, oh my god, his eyes. I want to assume it was just like you just brought it up, like we were talking yeah. about, you know, like we were probably talking about <laughs> Colin Colin Bay Bay Rose or something. <laughs> and you're like, by the way, I met Jason Momoa, and I didn't meet yeah. him. He was walking past me, and then he like stuck his tongue. Out. I don't remember what he did. He just like made a face at me, <laughs> and I was like, okay, you're like making wait, wait, stories. He stuck a tongue out at you. <laughs> Yeah, he was like uh, greeting everybody. He was just like really animated. My sister and I were in line to meet Carrie Elwes because we were like fucking hard Princess Bride stands. And my sister was like facing away. So Jason Momoa's booth was right next to Carrie Elwes's. And Jason Momoa was leaving his autograph booth to go to like photos. And so I was at the like part that he was like right walking past me and I like locked eyes with him. And he, I don't remember, he did like, a big smile or like some goofy animated face maybe he's like a sign out I don't remember it was like three years ago and like my sister was turning around I just fucking whacked her and I was like Sarah turn around it's Jason Momoa and I was fucking dying and he was just like really nice even though like I didn't actually pay money to meet him I regret it because he just seems so nice and beautiful in person next time he comes I have to just purely for that interaction um, like he gave same. that to me for nothing I was like thanks king 
No, he stood. Uh, <laughs> the DC booth has like an upper area for like the cool people, like Jason Momoa, and everyone was watching the premiere of the Aquaman trailer below, and he was right above them, like cheering them on, like having a great time. He seems like a really just cool guy. Like I just yeah. want to, I'll grab a beat. Like sure, let's just I, hang out. I I do think overall, and that's one of the things that um, is weird about specifically the DCEU in relation to the MCU. Um. I know that the MCU are like supposedly friends, but I do actually feel like the DC, and especially after all the stuff that happened with, you know, the Justice League, I've always felt that these people like actually like really do like each other. Like when we were talking about like the defenses that were popping up um, of like, you know, uh, when Ray Fisher said his things and then everyone was, um, I did appreciate that everyone was like, yeah, no, I agree. Like Jason Momoa, uh, Gal Gadot everyone was like backing up and it's like against people they are currently on contract with uh, <laughs> like a hundred percent defending I know I know most of the people involved in that were like immediately fired which for good reason like uh, you know uh, going back to actually talking about the movies um, you watch the Whedon cut and you realize how like 70 percent of the movie is different um, that is 70% of reshoot. That is like, you know, uh, we're getting into like, you know, Rogue One territory of just like a whole different movie from what was originally shot. And um, also, no studio head is listening to this, but stop, stop doing that. No one is, I've never seen where it's like, we're doing extensive reshoots. We fired the person. That movie has never turned out well. <laughs> it's not. We could talk about Solo. We could talk about Rogue One. We could talk about any of the things that, you know, uh, you know, the uh, Star Wars movies. Everything is like, you know, they keep redoing these movies. They keep firing a bunch of people. And I would rather have, you know, and I said this about Cherry. Uh, I would rather have a really screwy vision. Like, imagine if they fired Cherry and hired someone else to, like, finish it up real quick. Like, God, it's still going to be, like, bad. <laughs> no, because I think it'd still be bad. <laughs> But it would feel disjointed. That's the worst kind of movie. Like when I look at my like least favorite movies, they're like these hodgepodges of like a bunch of different visions that are just like, you know, I can hate. City. Yeah. Um, look at, um, you know, even we'll use Nomadland. I don't like Nomadland. I still think that she should win Best Director because it does have a very strong vision. Like, I don't like that vision. I find it boring, but I can look at it and go, yep, that's directed amazing like there is something that's like wow whenever the 2021 um, clapper staff award award for best director did it yeah i know she won oh i skimmed over towards the end it was a very long video <laughs> uh, <laughs> i wasn't invited to participate so I you literally were if you check the chat paul and, doesn't log into slack put, he doesn't I don't know care. anything what's happening there that is alina should have sent it to you yeah, i should have 100 on alina I do want to talk about the position that Whedon was in because I do think it's interesting. I'm not going to talk about what a shitty person he is, but this has never happened before. Like we have never had a movie fully redone in two different visions and been able to see them both. Like we've heard about, you know, the animated cats movie and we've, you know, um, we've heard about Del Toro's The Hobbit. We've, we've seen these like, you know, uh, visions like sort of realized we've never gotten both of them ever. 
as far as I can, you know, somebody may be able to uh, say it, but uh, as far as the amount of reshoots and everything, these are two different films of the same plot. Understand, uh, you know, Joss is very crutched because he's stuck with a, basically a plot. I don't understand why you leave Steppenwolf if you're changing literally everything. That's for another day. But um, it is interesting to discuss, like, you know, and I do feel like <laughs> every poor fucking freshman film student will be watching both of these back to back and discussing, you know, authorial intent and what a director does and what a screenwriter does. It is an amazing thing to watch. You know, when you're talking about don't watch this, I actually would say the opposite. It is a bad movie. You know, if especially if the Snyderverse is never restored and the DCU comes crashing down and they blow it all up in The Flash, which is the rumors that are happening. Looking at these two movies and seeing like what a different director brings to a movie and what can be good or bad, you know, the excesses of Joss Whedon's comedy or the excesses of the slow-mo that, you know, uh, Snyder brings, um, the lack of consequence also with Whedon's stuff. Um, most notably, one of the coolest scenes in the entire movie to me um, in both ones is when Flash, when uh, Wonder Woman loses her sword, Flash runs, tips it, and it goes back and catches in her hand. That's like the kind of like superheroes working together shit that's like just cool. Um, <laughs> in the Whedon cut, it immediately cuts to them both tumbling and him landing on her. And like, it's supposed to be like a funny sex joke. Um, completely kills the moment and completely kills the coolness of the previous thing because they're not working together. They kind of screwed up. Like it didn't work for them. Um, so it, basically it's just, I do think this is a fascinating thing um, that we've never had in film. Um, and it will be something that like, you know, if we get Restore the uh, Snyderverse, we'll see what happens with, you know, uh, <laughs> how they're able to do this because now, what, 50% of the audience has seen uh, Whedon's cut, but not seen Snyder's or more. I don't know what the exact numbers will end up uh, being, but you, they're two different stories. So how do you move forward? It, exactly what you're talking about. Dark side is a huge part of um, Snyder's cut and he's not mentioned. Do you have to reintroduce him or do you just like continue on and have people, there's just a lot that's the strangest choice in my opinion because clearly that is the point like that is the big villain for the future films that is the piece of like setting up the next stage of the dceu to drop that it's so weird to me why they would do that because that's basically means to me to like how i see it that means they didn't have faith in it which we can see because they didn't fucking develop any films off of this like i think that's really a strange but very telling choice they made no movie i believe has uh yeah in any way built up there's movies set after this but they don't really there's nothing yet that um moves this forward even like uh birds of prey is kind of in the same world ish i think the but closest like, is um in shazam and you have the race that's like super makes like superman makes a tiny cameo there i think that's the closest you get not even uh, Henry Not Cavill, him. though, sure. <laughs> just well, just someone speaks in a... to how pathetic oh. that is. Oh, 
Um, I don't even yeah, remember and, that. Uh, it's it's like, like the post credits. I'm with you, Alina. <laughs> or it's the la- no, it's the last shot. It's not the post credits. Um, okay. But no, it's it's not great. Um, but and I think most emblematic of uh, you know, the, and we can move on after this. It most emblematic of DC's uh, overall scare. Um, I don't know the correct word. Fear, I guess. Um, to bring on some parademons, um, is that uh, the Superman suit? I think is such a odd, <laughs> like, change that doesn't mean anything and just feels like them just like very scared. Like, overall, the color palette of that movie is insane. <laughs> like, um, you know, people have post- been posting on Twitter and they're like, look at the comparisons, and people are making fun of it, and it's like. No, it, it, in a screenshot, I can see that. In in actual movement, the uh, the the theatrical is extremely colored, but um, it's just interesting to see the uh, Superman suit in particular. And I'm interested to see what you guys thought because, like, black Superman suit is very integral to the comics. It's part of the death of Superman storyline. And to just kind of do away with that because you were scared that people wouldn't want that Superman is just an interesting, like, it just feels like completely giving up to an audience that you've made up inside your head. <laughs> I think maybe to close, like, to get an official ruling, because we are titling this episode Snyder Cut versus Justice yeah. League. Like, we're advertising as that. I think let's go around. This should be quick. Which one is better? Do you think the Snyder Cut's better or the Whedon Cut? I'll start clearly Snyder Cut. Alina? Snyder cut. Paul. The Whedon cut. No, I'm just kidding. The Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> just like um, after this entire I, like, I don't... this whole speech <laughs> I've given. Uh, yeah, I know. You know what? This conversation really turned me. The Whedon cut really. <laughs> no. Uh, so congrats, Zack Snyder. Con- congrats, the entire DC universe who voted, who fought for years for this film. We wouldn't be here without you, and you gave us the better version of Justice League. So. Good on you. And before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. Uh, But you know what? Hey, we live in 2021. That's not all the cape shit that comes out anymore. We have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode one. We're not necessarily going to go through, I think, every week with this. But, you know, we do normally we talked about WandaVision after the episodes recorded. First episode came out. Why don't we just get some like first reaction to the series? What were your guys' thoughts on episode one of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? I believe it's called New World Order. Don't quote me on that if that's wrong. Um, Alina, why don't you start us off? What were your thoughts on this episode? I was freaking stoked for this because I like Falcon. And then Bucky is my favorite MCU character. Like, I fucking go hard for Bucky. So I was very much looking forward to this. I wanted to know what was going to happen with, like, Cap Shield. And all this stuff and like this post Infinity War Endgame, blah, blah, blah. And I really didn't like WandaVision. Um, mostly because I don't give a shit about Wanda or Vision. I'm sorry, but they're just not very interesting characters to me. And I'm pained that I have to sit through that series. Anyway, so I was looking forward to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I like it. It feels more marvel I know people like ragged on wandavision for feeling marvel but it's a fucking marvel project it should feel marvel that's why i didn't like the like first half of wandavision um so like it feels like we're going back to what the mcu is supposed to be i am like i'm really interested to see like what's gonna happen there's like some 
spoilers, some new like rogue Captain America, um, Falcon. Okay, why the hell do like all of like the Avengers are unpaid? That's whack to me. Like at the end of Justice League, Bruce buys Superman's childhood home. Like he buys the bank so Superman and his mom can have his house back. And you're telling me genius billionaire playboy philanthropist Tony Stark doesn't pay the Avengers? They're not like on some sort of payroll? What the fuck? Like I know he's dead, but like Pepper Potts, happy. Don't you guys like want to make sure they have like a place to live? Why the hell can Falcon not get a bank loan? It's weird. It's so weird. Cause like the Avengers are supposed to feel like a team and then like Falcon struggling to get a bank loan. That makes no sense. Like it just ruins it. Like the teamwork of it. Does it not? Well, no, I and them are all very anti Bernie Sanders. They do not believe in (laughs) Um, it's weird. No, uh, that, uh, you know, this is a very early day thing. We're in the first, like, you know, part one of six that we're going to get from this lengthy movie. That's all these uh, DC uh, things are. Um, and uh, that was all I was stuck on was <laughs> people kept saying, oh, this is an allegory for, you know, race in America. And that's fine and I am totally uh, okay with you doing allegories however within the logic of the world you cannot have a guy start out on a CIA mission and then seconds later be like I can't afford a boat it just (laughs) and it's not even a new boat we're not talking a yacht um they're they it's just bad script writing and I'm not going to allow people Falcon's just doing volunteer work for the CIA that makes (laughs) no fucking sense um yeah it's you know, I'm not going to allow people to like wave it away with it's an allegory. It, Cause it, sure. But like, you can also have your allegory make sense and there's ways to have worked it, you know, maybe set it up that, you know, uh, someone, you know, give her an ex-husband. She spent all his money during, you know, <laughs> all his money during the five-year blip. I don't care. Something that un- understandably is like he's broke and also why he doesn't go to pepper pots and happy he lived at the avengers mansion he knows all these people <laughs> like him going to some random bank teller in like you know the middle of arkansas or where it's like why would you go straight to new york go do you know a couple commencement speeches it just it feels so fake and it feels so forced to give us an emotional core that isn't um you know it isn't deserved so you know I was watching it just like cackling during that entire mm-hmm. sequence with the bank when he was like, do you guys not make money? And he's like, no, it's volunteer. <laughs> it's like, it makes so sense. ridiculous. Yeah. It's quite bad. Uh, I will say beyond that, I think this episode was pretty good. I, you know, I can just say after WandaVision, it's refreshing to go on Disney Plus, click an episode of Marvel TV and have there be like plot, like (laughs) stuff happens. And after WandaVision, that felt revolutionary. This reminds me a lot more of the Netflix series than anything else they had. The 
Luke Cage, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist season two, not season one. Um, and Defenders, like this feels very similar to that where you're taking these superheroes, they have superpowers, they have all this superhero stuff going on, but ultimately they're building more of like a deeper, just different exploration than you get in the movies. Um, I will say it's a little bit slow and I will say it's juggling the like superhero action parts with the more like human drama, I think conflicts a little bit too much in this first episode, but I do think they have enough time where they can work it out. Um, I, I think it's a good start. I, you know, I can't say I love this show or anything. I don't think it's that standout, but it was perfectly passable. I'm perfectly, you know, I will watch episode two happily. Um, but I feel like I'm definitely going to get more out of it than with WandaVision. So that's a plus. Mm-hmm. I like that. Like, like Bucky's storyline is like him in therapy and trying to work through stuff. I think that's funny and that I like it. So I'm more interested in like Bucky's storyline. Cause it like actually makes sense. Um, cause like he was the winter soldier for like god knows how long and like was totally on ice unless he was like um assassinating people so like our guy has a lot of baggage to work through like steve is gone like bucky's going through it um like his like it makes sense it makes sense that that is his journey right now falcons makes less sense but like i hope as the series continues on we get there with falcon I don't know. I hope so. Cause I, I don't want this ruined. I'm like, I'm hopeful for this after the first episode and I don't want it to go badly. I really don't. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And um, the other thing I think that now that we've been burned by uh, WandaVision's um, consequence for the universe, we now know that these movies aren't going to matter, honestly, all that much, or these uh, shows uh, for the overall MCU. They will be small. They'll do a couple changes, but you know, you could start the next one. Um, I'm hoping that we're uh, a little less burned, uh, you know, this time. Um, which I was not one of those people that subscribed to like the Mephisto stuff. But um, <laughs> it is funny. Uh, while we were on the podcast, we just got an article pop up that said, um, "Was Bucky confirmed as bisexual?" And <laughs> you go in to read it. And I was like, let's see what they're talking about. Um, turns out when he referenced tiger photos, that's a gay male thing. Tiger photos on uh, dating apps. And they were like, that shows that he's dating males. <laughs> like, wow, we are just like reaching. I hope episode four is a flashback of- to hardcore sex between him and Captain America. <laughs> uh, <laughs> graphic I was gonna say, full nude just as much as happily just like <laughs> yeah but like shot like god's own god's own country yeah. like i want him like i want it back <laughs> uh, I, that's twitter, just... I want to see twitter be like yes queens yes kings get it ooh woo my loves oh god and like uh, post gifts what, of but... it with like fan cams uh, like, that's what i want that's what series. that's my new expectation uh, marvel if you don't give that to me you're failing. <laughs> uh, but um, th- that's what I think we're going to start. Like, I'm hoping we're going to stop soon with these shows. And I will go mad if we're doing these week to week and every single show, like I'm going to get like a thousand theories sent to my phone from, you know, Vanity Fair <laughs> or whatever, Entertainment Weekly. Um, I just, I understand that the show is going to be very small. It's not going to matter much. And that's cool. That's fine. Let's just, you know, whatever. Um, 
my mom will still be able to understand that there's a white vision and you know scarlet witch now has an outfit and it's called the scarlet witch like that's not going to be a big stretch um, uh but you know um that's my that's my main takeaway overall is there's it's an interesting show it'll be fine it's very inconsequential it will be um so i feel like it's going to be a lot of uh kicking our feet around and spending a buku's amount of money for sequences that you're like that was cool but doesn't mean anything like i could not tell you why he was flying around during that opening sequence it was cool i enjoyed it but like i watched it and i was like why are we here <laughs> i will say conceptually i like the fact like out of all these these like this idea that we're spending with these minor characters more time to get to know them because i've never really cared about obviously wanda vision or wanda or vision i don't necessarily care about them now but like these are two characters the winter soldiers had more um but like falcon i've never cared about so like i do like that we're getting more characterization i care about him more that's good and i you don't have to sit through an entire well you have to sit through more than a movie but i think it's more digestible and works better as a show so i, I appreciate that i will say the one thing that i was a little upset about um i wanted to see him get a haircut i wanted that i thought that was going to be like a decision for him um i know that sounds very dumb but like uh apparently you know uh black widow bleaching her hair is a minor plot point in uh <laughs> the black widow movie um so um you know that'll be interesting like that's something that like when a character changes their look in comics it's for a reason and just like oh we got rid of chris evans so now we need to make sebastian stan hot is not really <laughs> like a uh you know um could have been something especially with him going through therapy and all this stuff maybe we'll get a flashback i don't know but um i just like the therapist weirdly like i was watching it, i was like this is a good therapist for television like mm -hmm. a lot of times i watch them and i'm like this definitely feels like an actor who has never been to therapy this one i was like she mm, works I, I enjoy this i liked how snarky she was yeah I like that she kind of, you know, uh, one of the things um, I cannot afford a therapy, but the one of the things I hear from people and when I used to go was how often your therapist makes fun of you. And, you know, that like, it's just like little jokes back and forth, you know, just a rapport, um, which I felt like they My really had. I felt like do that. I'd cry. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to therapy and I don't think I ever will, even though I probably should, because, like, I am probably insane, but, like, I can't handle it. I don't want to be told that. I can't. I would die. I mean, True we, story, my we first therapist quit two weeks in. Like, I, I don't think it was because of me, but, I, you know, it's possible that I was just too much, <laughs> and he quit his job two weeks in. I got a new therapist. <laughs> and now lives out somewhere in yet. the forest. I don't know where he went. He literally <laughs> just quit, like, the entire thing. I went in there, like, oh, he's gone. He, like, he left. I like to imagine that he like got at mid meeting with you. It was just like mm. Fuck you're just like telling some some problem, and he's just like no, no, <laughs> I'm not paid enough for this. <laughs> but yeah, a uh, lot more positive about this one. Um, did not fast forward. Um, I cannot make it. I did not make it through a single episode of Wandavision without at least skipping ten to fifteen seconds. Um, I was just like. There would be some dialogue that I was like, can't. And this one specifically, uh, actually in WandaVision, 
that memed thing uh, that everyone was making fun of about what is grief except I skipped that entire sequence and I was like is that something that they said or are people making this a joke because either way it's very funny to me <laughs> um, so this one I'd made it all the way through without uh, feeling the need to skip well, maybe next week <laughs> yeah maybe next week Falcon and WandaVision or not Falcon and WandaVision Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, airing on Disney Plus Weekly look I said we might not be doing this every single week but we might check in every once in a while when we have something to say um, and then of course when it ends we'll probably have a full episode on it uh, so you can stay tuned to Clappercast for that. Now let's go on to the news items for the day. Uh, I This one's completely self-servicing. I know like this is going to be short. I've never been more hyped for a movie than I am for House of Gucci. I, I didn't want to scream on my Twitter feed too long about this, which is why I was like, hey guys, we're talking about this on the podcast. I don't care. Um, not only does it have our boy Jared Leto in incredible makeup, but like the pictures of uh, fucking Lady Gaga killing it after Stars Born, Adam Driver. Have you guys seen these photos? Are you as hyped as yeah. I am? Like, I am. I, I just want to inject it in my veins. Okay, the one photo of Lady Gaga shoving like bread in Adam Driver's face. I want that yes. tattooed on me. It's fucking so funny. Yes. Um, I didn't know about this movie until the pictures were coming out, and I was like, "This looks fine. Like, it looks like gorgeous. Like, just aesthetically, and it should be because it's like about like the Gucci people. I did not know like one of the Gucci dudes had been like murdered." Um, I feel like I confused it with the Versace guy that got murdered also. Um, and so like, isn't that odd that like two fashion people have got like assassinated? Like why? They're just fashion people. So like, I don't know the story. So like, I'm very interested. I like Lady Gaga. I haven't seen A Star Is Born. I really should, but like, I know she's great in it. I really like Adam Driver. Um, and then like the photos of like Jared Leto as like an old dude. I'm like, King, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm still stuck on the fact that this is a Ridley Scott movie. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Ridley Scott's really interesting for me because I go through his filmography and I go, I love that. I hate that. I love that. I hate, there is never where I'm like um, middle of the road with a, um, a Ridley Scott movie. And I do think that um, this is probably going to land in the love section. Um but easily could in the hate. You never know with Scott. He just, he goes all out in a way that's like very impressive, but also um, I don't, out of all current like major directors, he's the one that like, if you ask me what his directing style is, I don't really know. And I don't know what to tell you. It's just kind of like him. (laughs) Um, There's no like, you know, look at the Martian and alien. Like there's, (laughs) there's no connective tissue between those. Uh, or even something like you know all the money uh, in the world black yeah that's why i compare this to and i loved all the money in the world which is why i'm like really hopeful for this um i i really liked all the money in the world Uh, i don't do well with torture scenes so the the last act i was a little not not enjoying um (laughs) which is also why i haven't checked out the show with uh your boy brendan frazier uh alina where it's the remake of the same story. Yeah, no, I'm very excited. Uh, I don't love Adam Driver, both as a person, um, I worked with him, and as a um, actor, I've seen his work. And so, (laughs) (laughs) um, like every time I see his big doofy grin, I'm like, 
Uh, okay. Well, you know what? Sure. <laughs> um, this will be, at least he gets murdered. So I'm sure he's only in like the first half, <laughs> but, um, I do really like Lady Gaga's acting actually. I'm very surprised she hasn't gone Stephanie Germanato. I've been like waiting for it. Like the change, the rock style. Um, I assumed because she was singing in, um, star is born that they were going to leave her as lady gaga but i guess maybe because she got the oscar like you're stuck as lady gaga now the name is also a draw for money i mean i more than if she went by stephanie yeah yeah but like i mean Dwayne the rock johnson i guess she could be stephanie lady gaga (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's what i want to call the posters (laughs) no um so flow to that one <laughs> lady stephanie germanato gaga <laughs> that sounds better but i still hate it <laughs> um but yeah no um jared leto looks insane per usual um i'm very curious how much is makeup and how much is him like you know <laughs> did he put on a bunch of weight again like what happened um, I haven't seen him recently outside of that particular shot, so we'll see. Does <laughs> but, anyone uh, know what his actual character is in this movie? Like, who no. is he? he's one of the he, he's one of the Gucci's. Um, okay. I the think Gucci's. he's <laughs> one of the Gucci's. Um, but yeah, I don't really know much about the story either. There's a book based on it, um, and I've been debating reading it, so maybe I'll do that and then tell you. We'll see if it's at the library. Because you know, <laughs> maybe we'll bring back our Clappercast book club. Good reference. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll read a book this year. I will say Jared Leto. Quick note about him. Did you guys know he is having his own music festival on a private island in like the Bahamas this summer? Because I didn't I until I went to his website. It's only fourteen hundred for a three night stay. You get two private concerts, a Q and A, and a photo off with the band, and a drum circle with someone. And like huh. activities, like a, it's really. Do like, you get Carson? Do you get the "We Live in a Society" shirt? N- no, but no, I would buy it before because I was on his website um, buying the "We Live in a Society" T-shirt, and can then we I was please like, "Please, all buy those." Like I'm not joking. Can no, I'm down. But I looked yes. at the top and it said Mars Island, and I was like, "Excuse me," and you click on that. They're doing like a three to four day music festival, like hangout sesh in this private island in the Bahamas. That's fun. Um, and I was like this is our what? is it a cult I, initiation I want to go I think it is oh. let's go well see I feel like it's just Firefest again so it's not really gonna <sighs> it yeah, looks like Firefest. they have oh. the tents that you like the different tents you uh, can pick from <laughs> um, do you think they would let us do a Clappercast live instead of having to pay for it like that would I'm be sure so the draw good would be <laughs> Hey guys, Clappercast Live coming from Jared Leto's Cult Island. Like, we hyped that man up so much. He should just let us go for free. Okay, we are but literally we turning all of Clapper, dog, so. though. Okay, we'll talk about yeah. that in a minute. We're turning Clapper. Like, three people at least from Clapper have turned positive on Jared Leto because of us. So, like, we deserve oh, I turned positive on Jared Leto on this joke. I hate yeah, it. No, like, we, I'm mad no. that I like him now. Us three, but then also uh, Kyle Gaffney, Yakov Flash, Jack. Like they're all fans of Jared Leto now. We're all like, we are, we are creating do, the cult, Jared. Not- <laughs> We're gonna get you that Oscar. Do, 
do not your cult put failed me in. were the no paul you're paul <laughs> no you're a I, fan okay. of jared leto you're in the cult i already tweeted at him to let us in you can't go back now i literally <laughs> could not care less about jared leto. oh it's very God. funny it's very funny that you guys continue this as a joke however like I, he is one of the most like innocuous people i'm like cool he's a little weird like so I think many I like actors him because are... he's insane like yeah <laughs> so you never know what's going to come I... next and i appreciate yeah. it. okay so this has nothing to do with the joker at all but in my head i mix him and walking phoenix together so often into some like big glob of just like weird quotes that like if you tried to like <laughs> show me like things that each of them said i'd be like maybe either one could be believable for me um but uh unlike walking phoenix uh jared leto was not recently nominated for an oscar i guess it's time yeah that's the transition we have to take let's do it the oscar nominations were announced uh i woke up at 5 15 a.m pt for it paul i believe you also did um and let's just get to and them promptly fell asleep i did not see a single one <laughs> i, I went to sleep after i went to sleep i woke up for oh, like a no. brief period i was up it. ready and none of you had texted yet and i just remember like sitting there with my phone like okay i'm logging in trying to find it and then all of a sudden like i wake up and there's just texts from you guys and they're like Oh, look who got it. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I think the only text I sent was our boy didn't, or I just tweeted like the cult failed us or something like oh, that. Oh, no, you guys were having a whole last conversation. There was a whole long thing that I had to get caught up on. And I was like, <laughs> I was expecting a lot. Um, and this is a good segue. I was expecting a lot of things to be surprising based on your text messages. And yet, very bland. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, okay. I felt, I felt like, yeah, let's get overall impressions, was, and then we'll go like category by category. Yeah, I was gonna say um, everything that I was expecting. I mean, you go into the Oscars knowing there's gonna be one or two weird ones. Yeah. This year, I thought there were going to be more, but it turns out there were less um, for the exact same reason. I think people just didn't watch movies. Um, like, <laughs> you look at this list, and I go, "These people watched nine movies. That's all they watched." It's not to be like fair, that's been a oh, trend these... at the Oscars, though. That's not. I feel like they've been doing a little bit better recently. Like, um, I feel like it's a little bit spread out. I do feel like they they in the Emmys in the actual award ceremonies are getting a little gross about like heaping on praise to one thing, and it's like uh, going through the best picture things. I like seeing you know like oh this only one best picture that's kind of cool, um, or it won like you know in a writing oscar or something you know seeing the love spread out because you go and look at the other movies that win and that's all this really is you know we can talk about like what it is right now but what the oscars actually are is like hey these movies should be remembered by history you look at that list of like best pictures and if that a movie that you like isn't on there it kind of disappears um you know uh you can love it but 70 years from now i'm sure there's movies that i would absolutely love that just missed out on the best picture list so i think it is a very important thing you know and i don't know about them is what i meant but i think it's a very important thing and i'm a little disappointed that 
not some weirder stuff got on there. Um, so yeah, I'll let you guys do it. Let me, I gotta pull up the list. I can't remember. So it was like a week ago. <laughs> See overall thoughts just quickly. Cause again, we're going to go category, category, just very yeah. quickly. Um, I was pleasantly surprised, not because that there were any surprises per se, but like, I feel like this is the first year where like, I truly don't hate quote unquote, like really hate any of the options i'm not necessarily that passionate about any of them either but like there's no green book there's no bohemian rhapsody there's no you know whatever like quote unquote the villain is each year just a film i absolutely despise like yes i'm more mixed on promising young woman i'm more mixed on you know the sound of metal or you know minari and i'm not necessarily passionate but like i don't hate any of these even trial of chicago 7 i don't hate that film so that is refreshing that there's one year where like i don't think anything made me mad literally other than Jared Leto missing but also that's for a performance I hate so like I can live with that when that's your biggest gripe is a meme on a podcast like that's a pretty good Oscar year I would say like for me like nothing surprising everything is nice like I'm not gonna be mad when like something I didn't like as much wins because like all of these movies are fine I'm like sure it's just a sure year this is nice this is nice not to have like a dramatic thing for once like god award show has been so dramatic lately i'm tired of it i i'll come in with a little uh uh hot takes i don't like most of these <laughs> like i'm looking at this list and i'm like okay we'll skip nomadland because i understand it's just not a movie for me let's just say that like i so let's go through the father love Judas and the black messiah do not think it was as strong as it could have been we've talked about this already uh, Mank, very, like, it is old person fan fiction. <laughs> like, um, Minari, same issues with you that you probably have. It's just a little slow. Feels like, you know, uh, it's a very downer movie that just goes, and it's happy because they're together. And I'm like, these people are screwed. <laughs> like, um, Promising Young Woman, I liked more the second time still am not sold on but you know probably one of the strongest director vision sound of metal i think is one act of a great movie and then two acts of you know um messing around with nonsense uh, i saw i think i've already said this before on the podcast but i'm gonna say it again i saw this really great quote i think it was from david ehrlich about a different director but he said, the first act of this movie is, uh, oh, he was talking about, um, uh, best actress, uh, pieces of a woman. Um, and it was, he was talking about that um, the first act is a barn fire. And then the second two, uh, two acts are just playing with those ashes. And that's how I felt about uh, Sound of Metal. It's like, I feel like the finale of Sound of Metal is him deciding that he needs to go to this and you know that battle then everything else is almost like a sequel to a movie that I was enjoying more like um so I definitely see what people enjoy about some of the things I have some issues um I'm not very strong into the deaf community but from what I've read some people are very mixed about it um in terms of like how it treats the different, um, you know, technological advances versus like, you know, what that does. Um, and I also think Paul Racy is a very bad performance. Um, and then Trial of Chicago 7, I actually kind of liked, but 
you know, it's, there's nothing here that I feel like is, even the father, which I absolutely love, is not like stand the test of time. Like, you know, uh, I think any number of movies from last year would blow these out of the water. Um, you know, uh, but I'm curious about yours with like director and stuff like that. I, again, I have not seen uh, another round. I should have watched it, I apologize. So those conversations are going to be between you two. Yeah, no worries there. Uh, oh, cool. I just closed out the list. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so best uh, picture, I guess you kind of started there. So we'll start from the top and then work your way down. So you listed all of them, but Trials Chicago 7. Um, I mean, again, I think most of these are middle of the road. I think Judas and Black Messiah is pretty good. Nomadland is my favorite film of the year. And The Father is excellent. Um, other than that, I could take it or leave it with really any of them. Promising Young Woman, I've tried three times now. And each time I come away like exactly the same, but just like a tiny step down. It is so underwritten, so messy. I don't like that film I, as much as I anyone else does. That we're, I love that we're doing the exact same thing for Nomadland and Promising Young Woman. <laughs> like every time I'm, I started it a third time and I was like, mm -mm, I know I'm going to put this <laughs> at a half star by the end of this movie. <laughs> Um, what are your thoughts on this lineup for Best Picture, Alina? What have you seen? What haven't you seen? What are you thinking? Um, so out of Best Picture, I've seen everything. Um, I ranked them this morning. Let me pull that tweet up. Um, I would like my top three are The Father, Minari, and Sound of Metal. Like those are just the ones that like spoke to me the most. Those were the ones I thought were the best. Um, I thought Judas and the Black Messiah was like, a black movie for white people that's a take but that's just how I felt and like I just like there should have been more to that movie it's just like a standard biopic and I just like it's not good um it's fine but I don't think it should be in the best picture contenders um Mank I thought was really boring Nomadland's great um and yeah I agree with you guys on like Promising Young Woman it's like strange and underwritten and then, yeah, I like Trial of Chicago 7. So, like, I don't know. I won't be mad about anything. Like, there are some odd choices, but I'm not mad. My top three, because I also ranked them this week. My number one, Nomad Land. Number two, The Father. Number three, Judas and the Black Messiah. Paul, do you have your top three? Yeah, I did. Uh, the Father. Um, I want to say Trial of Chicago 7. And then Promising Young Woman. Um, again, not because I particularly... Like, if we're talking about best picture as not the best picture, but the one that should list in the annals of time, um, and I think Promising Young Woman is something that was like feels of the moment in a way that like you know a lot of these other films don't. So that's that's my defense of Promising Young Woman. We may go back into it with uh, best director in a second, but. Yeah, well, let's jump over to Best Director. I think it's time. We have Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, Emerald Fennell for Promising a Woman, David Fincher for Mank, Thomas Wittenberg for Another Round, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Uh, I'll say I don't like Another Round, and I don't like Thomas Wittenberg. Personally, I know that's a very personal take, not the popular take, so I was not necessarily thrilled with his inclusion there. I think the only, like, I think David Fincher, say what you want about Mank, that has a solid direction. That has a solid, I think, hand of a director on it uh, but yeah chloe i think clearly wins this for me but other than her fincher is my number two here uh i'm disappointed that uh florian zeller has been left out 
Um, I think if we're talking about directorial vision, that is the strongest that's like missing. Um, I don't really understand Minari's uh, inclusion here. It does not feel like a very well-directed movie. Um, not something that's like outstanding. Um, I'm, okay, so I've been saying that Nomadland should win Best Director and I'll stick with that, but my second is going to be uh, Emerald um, for Promising Young Woman. I don't think the screenplay is great, but I do think the directing is pretty impressive. Um, that is a very hard movie to navigate. It doesn't work for everybody, but I do think that she hits the beats right enough to where it is, you know, it's being nominated for best director. Um, <laughs> that's a really hard thing for a mostly comedy. Um, so, you know, good on her there. Yeah, I feel like I pretty much agree with both of you um, on those points. Like, I think Chloe is gonna win it for sure. But, you know, Fincher would be okay. Emma Pennell is like fine. Like Paul said, she like directs the shit out of it at least. It's just like not written great. Um, I like Lee Isaac Chung here. For me, the thing with Minari is like, it's just like, it's missing that connection. Um, and then, yeah, I liked Another Round. Granted, I haven't seen it since Tip. And I would like to rewatch it if I get the chance before the Oscars. So it was a nice surprise to see like Thomas Winterberg in there. I don't know if he should have gotten in over like Regina King or like other contenders, but like, I feel like that's the only thing that like really surprised me out of like all of the Oscar nominations. I agree. Regina King deserves that so much. I, I made a passionate argument when we talked about One Night in Miami, or maybe it was when we talked about Golden Globes, but like having to have that handle on a film that is the adaptation of the play, like that is such an impressive directorial, basically debut. It's not actually a debut, but it's fucking impressive and she deserves to be in, but it's the Oscars. You know, what are you going to do? For Best Actor, you have Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Steven Yuen in Minari. Uh, I think this was pretty quick. These are the five I think I pretty much expected. Boseman's going to win. Should be Hopkins. That's my yeah. thoughts. Uh, I agree. Um, though I do think the age of Hopkins and the fact that they're pushing that in all the articles, uh, oldest best actor nominee of all time it's about a movie about getting older they may um i do think it really uh it's going to be harder now that uh bozeman won't be split between best supporting which i think he could have gotten easily um and i actually think is the better performance of the two uh people just didn't watch the five bloods <laughs> mm -hmm. as is clear we're talking about the same damn movies again <laughs> I also think they don't like Spike Lee that much. I think, I mean, it took him a long time to reward him. And then when he did, he openly shit on their best picture winner. So like, I can see a lot of the Academy being like, okay, fuck you. Like, if you don't, if you're not going to help, you know, be nice to us, we're not going to be nice to you. Yeah. I also think that um, the choice to release it over the summer was a horrible one. I think that they thought, my personal view is that Netflix probably assumed that theaters of some kind would be reopened and they could do like, you know, their uh, screenings and whatever um, in the summer with the big cast, including 
Chadwick Boseman, um, who I believe had not passed away yet. Um, Correct, he hadn't. And yeah, and so there's like, um, you know, there was a certain amount of like, oh, there's a draw. Uh, same with uh, Delroy Lindo not showing up in this. I think it's the same thing. Um, there is an aspect of, um, you know, the dislike to both the Netflix model and to um, Spike Lee, but I do think this has a lot to do with the pandemic. Uh, this particular, like, the lack of admission for Delroy, especially. Um, was, he didn't get to go meet and greet with people, and I think that hurts. I'll say this, and take it how you want it, take it or leave it. If Chadwick Boseman didn't pass away very unfortunately, uh, Anthony Hopkins, this would be his award. Very clearly, I think. I think 120%. Oh, I, I agree. I don't think he would even be nominated at this Agreed. point. Um, it's it's not a particularly strong performance. Um, and they didn't really even I, like the movie. It missed screenplay, director, picture, missed out mm-hmm. a bunch of places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting now that it didn't get anything. Remember, this is the acting uh, categories. They're voted for just by the actors. So there is a chance that the larger amount of group there might be a surprise i mean we could be surprised and gary oldman win for all we know um wouldn't that be once something? you o- once you open up like this um there is a certain like shock to it the other thing is um we are doing um live show this year and i'm not sure if if anthony hopkins is coming to the oscars he, I mean, let's get, you know, like political union, whatever. If he's there, they're going to want to hear him speak. He's got that, like, you know, they'll want him up on that stage. Um, and Chadwick Boseman won't be there. So if that's a thing, but he, Anthony Hopkins is also usually not showing up at things. So I, I almost feel like. a <laughs> For his, like his safety, what? like, I don't think he needs to be traveling to America to like sit with celebrities. I think like... he lives, I think he lives in LA. Oh, does he? I, I mean, he's still I old. He's so. still he's still old enough. Where I don't want him in Union Station with everyone else. Valid. Uh, I, well, I mean, he'll have the vaccine. Every every single person at that Hopkins place. can't die, Paul. Hopkins is oh, a no, treasure. Um, Hopkins okay. is my Hopkins is my Jared Leto right now. Actually, I've gone from not giving a rat's ass about Anthony Hopkins to like loving him, and I don't know. When it, I want to say, Alina, you'll like this. I want to say it was two popes. <laughs> I want to okay. say that was when I went. <laughs> Wait a second, you're great. Honestly, you're fantastic. <laughs> um, I think it was that, and then followed by King Lear, which is my favorite Shakespeare play, um, which I thought you know is a weird movie, but he did a great performance. He's just been like, I feel we definitely already talked about this. I feel like he's doing a really fun late stage. Um, and you know what? I like, I would not be pissed <clears throat> about any of these winning, actually. Mank. But um, the other four, sure. You know what? Yeah. Win. Like, all of them are great performances in movies that maybe I didn't even like, but I went, great performance. Don't feel that way about all these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, same, the same thing. My opinion is pretty much the exact same. I feel like if Defied Bloods had came out later in the year, um, then Chadwick Boseman's nominations probably would have been flipped. 
and Defy Bloods would have gotten it over Ma Rainey because I preferred Defy Bloods. I think that's a better movie. Um, but yeah, Carson reminded me of like Spike shitting on Green Book. That makes sense. That makes sense. I totally forgot about that. And after you said that, I was like, well, yeah. You could say yeah. Defy Bloods isn't their <laughs> cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, um, we're also, you know, it's not just that. It's also um, driving Miss Daisy. This has been like a common thing with uh, Spike Lee where, you know, he calls them out and, you know, I am now a unfortunate uh, driving Miss Daisy defender. Um, so <laughs> I, I really like driving Miss Daisy. Um, going to get canceled for that. <laughs> it's just like, you can't <laughs> like that movie. It's like literally the movie you're not supposed to like. <laughs> like put it on so ready to hate it like, this is great <laughs> i like the little old lady <laughs> okay on that note we're moving on to best actress for sure uh we have Viola <laughs> davis for ma rainey's black bottom andrew day for united states versus billy holiday vanessa kirby for pieces of a woman francis mcdormand for nomadland and carrie mulligan for promising young woman alina we start us off with this um, I feel like I don't give a shit about this category. I'm sorry if that makes me sound like a misogynist or like an internalized misogyny. I don't know. I just like, I don't care for any of these performances. I don't know who's going to win this one. Like I could see Violet Davis winning or Frances McDormand. Um, Andre Day did surprise us at the Golden Globes. I did like her in Billie Holiday, even though that was a terrible movie. Um, I like Carrie Mulligan. I don't like Pieces of a Woman, but Vanessa Kirby was great, especially in like the first 30 minutes. Like, I don't know. Just like, I feel like my main problem with the Oscars this year is that I don't care. <laughs> like, I, I don't care. This, this category, don't care. I agree, <laughs> actually. I don't think any of these performances are that incredible. Even like yeah. Frances McDormand loved Nomadland. I don't think her performance is anything like shocking there. Vanessa Kirby, I think, is the best quality here. But I, I fully agree. This is one of those categories I'm very bland on. I like Carrie Mulligan in Promising Young Woman. But I do think she was miscast. Like, <laughs> you know, there was um, some controversy about her being a little too old for the role. But I do agree with that i think that i across the board i think that everyone is miscast in that movie i think it is one of the worst cast films and i like everyone in it but i do not know how old these people are supposed to be like some of them are 35 allison brie is like i think nearly 40 <laughs> like and then all of a sudden we have bo burnham who's like 28 <laughs> it's just it's the wildest age range of cast um and i um so I guess a good performance, but like um, it's in a miscast role. Um, Francis McDormand is doing Francis like to the point that it's not even a real like <laughs> there is not one moment in that I'm watching and I'm like, she's Fran, who is also just Francis McDormand. She just is like <laughs> it's Francis McDormand if someone didn't hire her to do Fargo. <laughs> That's the point, like, film, the point of the film. The point of the fur. Yeah, it is fern. The point of the film oh, is fern, that it's like real people. Like <laughs> her, she. Or I believe her nickname, like personal nickname, was Fern. She like all of the stuff in her van was like yeah. her personal stuff, and she literally lit. Like the point of that movie is they literally don't hire actors; they have real people. So like, it's not acting; it's just like her being her, but acting like she's poor. That's the acting part. Mm -hmm. 
I don't want to talk about Nomadland. Hey, and my we've learned in between since we last porn. talked, she literally shit in a bucket, though. So we did learn about that. She actually did it. God. Yes, I... When I, she was visiting I, Chloe Zhao, I believe it was, why didn't she just use the one in the house? Why was she like, oh, gotta go in the van? <laughs> I... Chloe said you're not allowed in the bathroom. <laughs> go, in, go in the bucket. Don't make me talk about Nomadland. Okay, we can move on. <laughs> um, although, I will say it is my highest rated review on Letterboxd right now. Every couple days I'll get another, someone liked your shitting on Nomadland See? review, and I'm like... <laughs> Nomadland's providing should... for everyone in different ways. <laughs> it's <laughs> um, the joy I get from my uh, likes about my Nomadland review. Um, <laughs> go like it if you haven't. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, um, it's definitely Mulligans. I feel like that's just almost a given. Okay, um, let's move to best supporting actor. Sure, do you want to list them or do you want me to? I will. Let's go do ahead. It. Okay. Let's go, Paul. Um, for Trial of the Chicago 7, we have Sasha Barra Cohen. Um, oh, this was bad. This was bad. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah is Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. Uh, Paul Racy, Rassi, I don't care, uh, for Sound of Metal. <laughs> and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, there is one bad performance in here that stands out like a sore thumb. That is one of the worst performances of the year. You're about to piss off everyone. Here we go. I don't care. You know, remember, uh, remember at the beginning of the podcast when Paul yelled at me for shitting on Gal Gadot, and now yeah. here I was like, "You have to turn no, 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 to no, no. you're going to get hate." Paul, no, 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 no. everyone the, fucking cheered. <laughs> I'm with okay, you. I'm with so, you on the quality of the performance, but I'm just saying you're going to piss okay. off everyone with no, that. no, no, no. Because all I was saying is like, don't say hate as much as like explain. I will explain. I think it's a bad performance because it's based on a weird cult. We're talking about Jared Leto. It feels cultish and it doesn't, there's no aspect of that, you know, sitting in the room, silent, uh, writing your thoughts, all of the stuff that he does and how he says it and his overall look and how they design his character makes me go run the entire film and him going back or like probably deciding to go back really is like a downer ending to me. I'm like, you do not like those people. Don't pretend you like those people. You're getting pulled into the cult. You are a rocker. Like go hang out with, you know, other like, you know, people who clearly would be dealing with the same issues. That's a very common thing with, you know, like um, big, you know, musicians and everything is the loss of hearing later in life. But um, it's just, it's a weird performance. I don't understand why people like it. Maybe people miss like, you know, uh, I talked about why I don't like it, but um, I'm going to go with which I do want to win. You know what? I'm going to surprise myself. I'm going to go with Keith Stanfield. I think that was the best performance out of all those. Does it deserve best supporting actor? That is the surprise, I guess, you know, the big surprise. Um, Maybe not. Maybe it was a lead, but that's the one I liked. Considering the movie itself has said, like, everyone this season said he's lead, and then they're just like, fuck it, he's supporting. Shock I, of the still, I mean, I the Clappercast community voted on our Twitter page. Shock, the most shocking moment of the nominations. Uh, well, yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, I also didn't know we had like a vote thing. <laughs> feel like I was well, you didn't, you didn't follow us um, on Twitter until this week, so I don't know why you thought you would like know this if you don't follow us. I remember following you guys. 
<laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> I'll correct that. Um, no. Um, yeah. Um, I, it was the most shocking thing. But I also can see saying that Kaluuya is the supporting. Like, uh, I or uh, the lead as well. Like, I can see that thing. And, you know, this is a weaker area. Maybe they were both on the surface of best actor. Um, I'm sure none of us actually know how the rules work, but I'd be curious to know if they were both put into both actor and supporting, how that works. Like, well, they do are... they just pick the one you were voted for more? Yeah, so according to the rules, they can vote however they want. Like, they're submitted, like, advertised, but they can vote for any role in supporting or a lead. Um, but you can't be voted into two categories for the same performance. So there's whichever one got more. Okay. So see, that's probably what I would guess happened. And I would say that maybe uh, Wynn or um, Oldman was like rocking the boat towards the bottom. And they might have just flopped it just because Lakeith got more there. Um, that's my personal belief. I don't think there was anything like nefarious about like people saying that there was no lead in a movie they nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> Clearly. People who like took that point and were like, at Academy, who's the lead then? Like, you're no. Yeah. I also uh, love the idea that the Academy like was <laughs> really nefarious about any of it. They're just like button pushers and <laughs> number counters. This mm -hmm. is the category where I have to ask what the fuck happened, Colt. Like, okay, let's talk one-on-one -on -one cult here. You failed us. You had everything in your corner. We were rooting for you. You had globes. You had SAG. You were supposed to be the one. This was your time and you failed us. So fuck you, cult. We we are taking it to our own hands now. You'll see you next year. Um, um for House no, of Gucci. But I but we've already we've already talked about this. This is one of those look, all of those movies are also nominated for Best Picture. People didn't watch movies this year. I don't think they got the little thing. It was, I think they heard it was, it was shortlisted of... for a uh, score. It's it's shortlisted, great. Shortlisted is like, I think 16 people. Cool, Ten. 16 people watched the... <laughs> hey, hey, HBO Max, killing it. No, I think um, category is fine. Again, I mean, I think as we're kind of winding down here, like I think the general theme, lack of passion. I don't care about any of these performances. Like Kluya, I would say is the best here, but like, Mm -hmm. I'm fine. I like I like Lakeith too. I think the thing Agreed. that happens there is like they're both kind of co-leads and they're both kind of supporting. Like they're in the movie a fairly equal amount of time. It's kind of hard to tell like who which one is which. So like I don't blame like Academy voters for like being confused because I think everyone is confused. So I don't think it's like right to be mad at the Academy itself because like honestly, who cares? Um, like they're both nominated. Good for them. Um, also we got some funny Lakeith Instagram posts from it, so I'm not complaining. Um, I think Daniel Kaluuya is probably going to win it. Wouldn't be mad if Lakeith did. I fucking love Sasha Baron Cohen. I liked him in trial. Um, the other two, whatever. Um, so quick thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow him, but there's a guy at Matthew A. Stewart. Uh, and he goes through and does screen times of all the every movie basically it's very cool um he originally did it to show which movies uh, were like the biggest category fraud but now just like does it it's an insane thing to do but he actually did it for judas and the black messiah 
Lakeith Stanfield is in the movie for 39.75%, which is about 49 uh, minutes and 51 seconds. Daniel Kaluuya is in the movie for 36.8%. And that's 46 minutes and nine seconds. So we're talking about four minutes difference between the two leads, uh, like co sure co-leads basically which both push them in two leads rather than two supporting actor i think that's like my argument but we're still talking about under 50 percent of the movie mm -hmm. um so to be fair like they aren't sure their stories about them but if we're talking about leads they're not in a majority of the film the majority of the film does not have them <laughs> sure so then i mean i guess your argument is that we don't have a lead for the film which is valid i don't think that's a horrible take oh the other thing i was gonna say is like i like wesley odom jr but I liked other performances in One Night in Miami better. Like I liked um, the guy who played Malcolm X better, but like that's a lead. Um, so like, I don't know, just whatever. Just whatever, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Let's move on to the final category where we're gonna like really break it down and then we can just kind of mention anything else that stood out. Best Supporting Actress. We have Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film. Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and then you, you, oh boy, I always, I apologize already. Union Jung for Minari. I'm horrible that name. I'm horrible pronouncing all names. So, you know, take it or leave it. Um, I don't like Maria Bakalova. I think that's my hot take. I don't really like any of these performances except Coleman or Seyfried. I actually think Coleman has a good chance to win this one. Mm -hmm. um, but again, just I, lack of passion. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because just like the quality's down or if it's just because like it's, I, I don't know what the issue is, but I lack of passion. Uh, I think the biggest issue is a lot of these movies that would be here right now were held back till next year and there's going to be a huge glut of great movies again. Um, I think some people made some mistakes. Uh, that's my hot take is mm -hmm. when they saw that coronavirus was ending, I don't understand why you didn't release your movie, lose some money on the front end, and then win Best Picture. There's, there are so many movies that are completed right now that are just sitting that probably would win Best Picture. That'll all fight against each other next year. That's my, that's my hot take. Uh, and cancel on each other out next next year. Things are yeah, gonna miss. So exactly. much is gonna miss next year. It's a game. I mean, the mm -hmm. fact that. Imagine if 1917 came out this year. <laughs> like, there would not be a question of what wins best picture. Easy. Um, it, you know. Uh, I bet you would get acting forever. nominations also for it. I bet you would oh, get. Oh, yeah. No, Parasite would get uh, best supporting would... actor guaranteed. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. If you want to move any of those movies. I mean, you could even move one of the lower tier ones and it would probably be in here like as a serious contender. Um, because The Father is not a not serious contender right now. Like it won't win, but like you hear about it and like, oh, you know, it, it got six nominations. It's the second most, uh, you know, a lot for second most, but it got as many as Nomadland. Um, I wonder if The I, Father will be talked about more when it like actually gets properly released because it technically hasn't yet, right? It comes out the first week of April. On VOD, uh, it's out theatrically yeah. though, but I mean, no one. Yeah, but like who can uh, actually see it in theaters? I don't um, know. I. I think that film Twitter won't like it. So we'll pretend we don't hear it. Like they'll pretend they don't hear about it. Um, they'll just talk about, you know, it's fine. Um, Cause I'm seeing a lot of the main film Twitter people who have seen it, like putting it at the bottom of their list, which is psychotic. I think, the last I think we're all talking about it. the same. 
I think that's the issue though. Maybe. Because I, I talk to a lot of people like in just like general public who like casually watch movies and they're all like, I have not seen The Father. That's the one I think that's like, they really missed out on the fact of like people right now are talking about The Father, but they can't see The Father. So automatically that goes to the bottom of the list. That makes sense. Um, here's my hot take, the hottest take that I will be saying. I like Teleology. I very much enjoyed it. I didn't um, hate I, it. I didn't like it though. It's fine. Um, I, I mean- I, it's not like I think I gave it a three star. Um, mm-hmm. Amy Adams is doing career worst work there, but um, I didn't also didn't like Glenn Close, but I just liked the movie. Um, I, I liked Mama. I liked Mama. Okay, like um, yeah, um, she's the best <laughs> if, part of that okay. movie. <laughs> Here's the truth: if Glenn Close wins for that, that is the perfect summation of her career. Is all of these like yes 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 roles the one before this uh the wife was not a good film felt like a but this is like that is what she should win for because it fits more (laughs) just like sure this one that she was like what the fuck fine um also it's up against (laughs) Olivia coleman again which is kind of nice it's like um but i think there's a good chance coleman wins minari might um but I don't know. I don't think that that. I'd be surprised if Minari wins. Honestly, um, just, just just feels a. Do you mean best picture? Or a for... bridge. Yeah. Sorry, best supporting actress. I'm not. I don't do no. names for the most part. Um. Uh, I was just clarifying. Uh, yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't think. Uh, I could see Min- Minari winning best supporting actress. Um. A lot of I'm passion. curious, Alina. I have a lot of passion for all of these. I don't think Baklova did that. I feel like you could cast any girl who's down to do whatever Baron Cohen wants her to do, and you would say the same thing. Her performance isn't like shocking. It's just <laughs> she's down for the horrible things he says to her. Um, and she does a little bit of improv. Cool. Um, I'm curious about you, Alina, though. Where do you sit? Um, I like Maria Baklova. I liked Borat too. You know, I like Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't think she's going to win this, but I think it'd be fucking hilarious if she did. I think it would piss a lot of people off, and I think that's funny. So, like, I won't be mad if she wins. I just, it would purely be comedic, and that's funny. I want her to win purely for that. Do you think they get Rudy Giuliani to do present the award to her? They should. That'd be fucking hilarious. Um, Like, I don't think she does, like, revolutionary films in this or things in that film but like I liked her in it um and like it's nice to see her there considering this is like her first role I believe um I don't know I think her winning would be funny but I don't think she will uh I like Glenn Close is the only thing I liked about Hillbilly Elegy I feel like Olivia Coleman and Amanda Seyfried are the most likely um I don't know I this is the one where I'm like not sure who's gonna win. It's so funny to me if Olivia Coleman wins for the father. That is like so funny because it's great. <laughs> like you're gonna look at probably one of the best performances I've seen ever, period, is uh Anthony Hopkins, and then give it to the supporting role of like yeah, has some great moments, but like definitely is you know, it's I guess supporting cool but like it's just a wild 
and there's like a good chance that that could happen um that you know it, re- <laughs> it really i don't think hopkins would care no. um i but, but i would um, be sad yeah no i would too um but i think it's all up in the air uh right now like any of these names could be called and i could go sure yeah that makes sense um which i think is going to make poor glenn close to have a heart attack regardless what is this her ninth nomination and probably won't win <laughs> like yeah i don't think she's winning poor poor glenn close just being a good movie i think she's gonna eventually get it but just not here and not for the wife um I would like real quick to talk about the two screenplays and we can just like brush through those and then talk about the Absolutely. I don't even think, um, I really found this category interesting. Um, I am terrified of the fact that Promising Young Woman will, okay, I'll read them out. Uh, Best Adapted Screenplay is Borat, Subsequent Movie Film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. I haven't seen The White Tiger. I think you guys have. Uh, I like it. It was. I was on the okay. podcast before I was. Yeah, I haven't fine. seen it. In the um, pre times, <laughs> the old times. Yeah. We kind of um, do it. We have an A. We instead of A D, it's A P here. It's before Paul and after Paul. <laughs> that was in the. Well, and then I really show up and talk most of the podcast. I'm very well aware, but uh, I have opinions, um, and I'm very lonely. <laughs> so. I mean, that's uh, why I do this every week. Like there's some points where like, oh, I could like not come on this one because I don't really care about these things, but I want to hang out with Paul and Carson. So I will do it. <laughs> um, obviously to me, I feel like the father should win this one. Uh, the, Borat is not an adapted. Like I read the reasoning for why and that's psychotic. Oh, because um, it's a sequel? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I don't understand. Okay. It's, well, no, it's not that it's a sequel. It's based on a character from the Ali G show. Oh. No, but sequels are always adapted. I don't think so. I don't. Th- I'm 98% sure they're always adapted. Sequels are. Okay, that's not what I've heard. I've heard it's because it's the LEG show. Um, I'll look but, it up on okay. you talk. Uh, but continuing with that, which is why The Sound of Metal makes no sense where it is, which is based on someone else's screenplay. Instead, they put them all together in original. Um, but it's Cyan Francis screenplay. Um, Again, directorial vision. Let's go back to Justice League. I would have preferred the Cyan France version. I think he's a better director than uh, Darius. Darius. Martyr. I'm not. Martyr? Okay. Yeah. Darius Martyr. Yep. Um, Quickly jumping into is a, yeah, officially every single sequel it is, and they just say it's based on the characters and story of the original mm-hmm. film. That's ridiculous. Uh, it's, I'm not arguing. Uh, especially if the same people wrote it, but I'm guessing not everyone wrote it because there's a hundred thousand people nominated for that. You will not get it. Um, they like they won't give it for it, obviously, but also because there's too many people and they. Look you. How are there so many fucking writers for Borat, which is like most that's what I was just talking about. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to guess it's because um, <sighs> different it's probably sequences. probably just because of the Borat character. Well, I was thinking different sequences probably had like a different writer when they had the time to do it. Like, I'm sure all mm-hmm. these people are working writers and it was like, come on for the day and write, you know, while I'm yeah. uh, at the cake thing. I have problems with Borat. I'm just... I don't like people being mean to people, even if they're terrible people. It just makes me sad. 
I think um, Borat don't too, embarrass people. It's like not great. Yeah, the, um, the especially um, I guess it's related. Um, the cake sequence, especially when he's like having her write something, and I'm like, there's cameras. Most people under pressure will do what they're told. That's what the whole milligram experiment was. <laughs> like we're proving that like that works. So you know, I'm sure she went home threw up or you know was very upset about what she did <laughs> like it's just so dumb um i want the father to win i feel like nomad land might win but my only thing is i do think they'll look at that name and go does she need to win both <laughs> um that's my only thing is like do they really want to do because i do feel like there was an overall thing in hollywood when um they gave everything to uh, Parasite where they were like, well, we're hearing the same guy talk again. Um, I do think that that's going to be a consideration. Um, I hope that it's a course correction, especially after something like the Emmys where um, Schitt's Creek won everything and it was a very boring evening. Um, they need people to be shocked. And there's not any like really shocking things in here that would like, bring people to watch but i would like i just want the father to win that's all <laughs> what do you guys think i think the father actually stands a decent like i think it's quickly rising and i hope it does because agree that's like i would love it for i would love for it to win um especially after minari missed best film editing which if you don't count birdman in like 2014 or whatever which had like very subtle editing so it makes sense that it missed you have to go to the 80s to find the next best picture winner that missed even at least a nomination in that category the father made it in though so i mean it it supports nomadland and child chicago 7 being the main two but like i think the father stands a good chance but i mean yeah these adapted screenplays i don't like the screenplay for the white tiger so i'm not like a huge fan of that one surprising um but other than that like they're all pretty passable Mm-hmm. I could also, um, I'll also say that I think we're ignoring the fact that One Night Miami was written by the same guy who wrote Soul, and that might do a, you know, a one for both kind of situation where people will be like, Kim Powers did some really great work this year. Um, let's give it to him for One Night Miami. There is a chance he could be the underdog here. I could see it going to The Father or One Night in Miami. I don't think Nomadland is going to win it. Just purely because it's going to win other things yeah i mean it's possible i think also that screenplay when you look at that movie it's not like this a screenplay film it's very much i was about to say it's a documentary more than anything Um, yeah it's a more directorial effort than anything else yeah Mm -hmm. um okay so i'll read uh original screenplay and then we can let everyone go home because i'm sure they're fucking tired of us best original screenplay is judas and the black messiah minari Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Curious about what you guys think. It's going to be Aaron Sorkin, right? Like, it has to be. Because, like, it has to be. I don't, I, I think this is 100% Promising Young Woman's to lose, which is yeah. psychotic, because I think that that's the weakest thing. But I, the thing is, mm-hmm. she's in so many categories she's a rising star and people are going to go well it wasn't a direct you may be in the academy but you may not understand exactly what the different roles are i do think they're going to be like 
I liked that this movie was well directed. Let's give her best original screenplay, even though that's the weakest part of the movie. <laughs> like, okay, but I think let's, they're ass- gonna- let's assume Trial of Chicago 7. What else is Trial of Chicago 7 winning? Like, I feel like over promising young woman, that's a film the Academy is going to want to give something. But mm-hmm. I, I, it's not winning director because it's not there. It's, I don't think it's winning picture. Film editing. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're not talking about like, there are going to be people who are going to go, Sorkin doesn't need it. Another Oscar? First Oscar? Oh, another Oscar. Well, Emerald Fennell just doesn't oh need one right now. No, no, no. But like, uh, Alina, no, could me. you look that up? What? What am I looking at? If Sorkin's won before. Oh, yeah. That's like, what I'm doing yeah. right now. Did you hear me typing? Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I just saw you move and I was like, uh, okay. okay uh, yeah, I think he won for Social Network, didn't he? I'm going uh... crazy. He didn't win for Molly's game. That's for sure. Hold on, I'm on Wikipedia. Um, Yeah, he won Best Adapted for the Social Network. Oh. Um, And then he he was nominated. Yeah, he did. He won it for the Social Network. He was nominated for Moneyball and Molly's Game. We like him. Okay. So um, I'm going to say that the fact that he already has one is going to be iffy for him. Um, I think that they're also going to go, he'll do something else. There is no question that Aaron Sorkin is not going to write something else that's going to be at the Oscars, um, like unless he passes away. Like there is no situation where he just like misses out on his next movie. Um, he's too big of a, a contender right now. Um, so saying that, I think it's I think it's still promising young woman. I don't see Emerald going home empty-handed. I don't I don't particularly want her to win for that because it's going to set a really weird precedent for like, you can write a weird script. Um, but that's, that's my gut. Um, because I don't see Judas and the Black Messiah winning. Again, too many people. Minari, maybe, but no. Like, I think that it's one of the... The thing is, Promising Young Woman has scripty lines, yeah. and that's what people usually like. Um, I can't remember a single line from... Uh, Trail of Chicago 7, I can remember dozens from Promising Young Woman. Um, I genuinely can't did, believe I've had this like realization right like at this moment. Like I'm rooting for Aaron Sorkin in the Trial of Chicago 7. I like I have to. That's the only, because like, I, it's not my choice here, but it's going to be down to that and Promising and I hate the screenplay and Promising. That's the worst part of it. So I can't root for that. So I'm actually rooting for Aaron Sorkin in Trial of Chicago 7. That's see, Well, the funniest part the funniest part about that is I am rooting for Trial of Chicago 7 to win it all. I want it to win Best Picture because oh, I don't like, I don't like Nomadland. I'd rather, you know what? I would rather... You know what? Just put your chips in the father. You give, you know... <laughs> the father's not winning. It has I every, it got both actors, screenplay, but what if? Editing. What if it makes a cut, like a come up? It could, because it hasn't been released yet. It could. Yeah, it could gain passion during uh, voting. So here's, well, here's the only thing that I will say, and I, I think I've been banging this drum about all these movies, is <laughs> we've also got to remember this is ranked voting, especially for Best Picture. It's going to be a wild, because I think that all of these have detractors. Like, mm-hmm. I think each one of these, but it's who had... To me, it's who has the more detractors than who has the more likes. Um, which one is someone going to put like at the bottom? Because that's the ones that are going to get you know screwed. Um, 
like, I don't know. It, that's why, you know, um, we get some crazy responses sometimes um, for best picture. That's why Green Book won. It won not because it was the most liked, it was the least hated. And that's how the Oscars have decided to do it now. Um, I'm sure they'll change that uh, relatively soon. But yeah, you're right. It's got, um, so if we're doing the, the Oscar rule, we're looking at The Father, Nomad Land, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. And then narrowing that down uh, for director, we've got Nomad Land, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of Chicago 7. No, so, Chicago maybe Promising Young Directing. Oh, you're right. Wait, do we only have two? Yeah. So, the only ones that are in both from directing and um, uh, editing are Nomad Land and Promising Young Woman. So, maybe Promising Young Woman. <laughs> would not be a great we've seen this we've seen the screenplay route be like very successful in the past years i would say more so than probably director don't quote me on that but i think so so like okay so that's that's where i'm gonna start putting my chips in it's no uh, big surprise no, for no shut the fuck up. Going. shut up no go back to trial of chicago seven <laughs> go back <laughs> um and uh, we'll get to see Emerald. Why is this making me depressed? Up. Why is this conversation? I was so pumped about that. I was like, the Oscars nominations are good, but now I'm like, God. Listen, listen. There is still, as as we're recording this, a month, over a month, a month and four or five days till the Oscars. So Which who the is, fuck knows what will happen? Anything could change. Oh my it God. could change. Which is, but Paul is saying stuff that and like using logic that I don't like. <laughs> I'm just sitting there just and saying. I really. <laughs> I, I do think that, you know, and the thing is like Emerald's British. She's got some things. She's got, uh, she's in the crown. She's well-liked. Um, she's got some backing from some, she's got everyone in Hollywood in that movie. Let's be clear, Nomadland's also not an Oscar film. Like not, like Nomadland's not the type of film that wins Oscars. Though mm-hmm. like, it's just been sweet. I know. I wouldn't say expect <laughs> it sweet, but like it's been doing it. Charles Chicago so has the Netflix bias behind it. Like, fuck, are we actually going to Promising Young Woman? <laughs> or, I think well, the father, the I think the father but, could do it. Okay, but here's the thing again about Nomadland. Look at how 1917 won everything prior to the Oscars. And then at the end, it faltered a little bit. And then that's, I think, but then, uh, I mean, same thing. Had... I also, the Parasite won Sack Ensemble. Like... Parasite won Sack Ensemble. Well, okay. So Nomad Land's going to win Sack Ensemble. I don't even think it's nominated, but Promising Young <laughs> Woman isn't either. Promising Young Woman isn't, though. Okay. So what was God? Sack Ensemble does not count this year. Um, I, okay clearly. okay but some, trial, some of my friends who are if trial some of my friends who netflix are, bias so that also we could like is it really i don't know it's don't it's know. gonna be a wild one okay so overall our impression is meh <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, i'm not mad at anything but like i don't have a lot of passion here um yeah no i'm the same uh it is funny like i think when i um think back on movies i'm even like angry about like there's just nothing like i don't like nomadland i will never like nomadland if nomadland's went best picture i still won't like nomadland but i don't think i'll ever think about nomadland after this and um that's kind of how i feel about all these it's like i'm trying to imagine like 10 years from now and someone mentioning like sound of metal and like will i have an opinion i'll just be like oh yeah that movie existed 
even films I don't <laughs> like, like I don't like the new Pinocchio. Like I think the crafts though are really good in it. So that's worthy. Mulan is probably the most like undeserving. I think of the like, uh, like below the line category nominees, but like, even then I don't really hate that. Uh, I'm really happy love and monsters got in for best visual effects. Cause I think that movie kind of like low key slaps and the visual effects are great in it. So I'm happy for that. Um, um, Chom the sheep. I'm very happy for Farmageddon. Um, I'm happy not I like don't it. have to watch Crude's Tale. Yes, uh, it's, it's fine. It's good. The animation's really good. Enough. Crude's too, or no, no, I have Sean <laughs> the Sheep. <laughs> Fuck Crude's too. That's oh. unredeemable. Uh, no, I mean like I, Aardman movies in general. I'll always support. Um, I feel like they are the only ones who do stuff for kids. Really, I like. I watch it and I'm like, yeah, this is made for a, a child. Everything else that like on that list, you're like, this is for adults, and we're putting it in animation um maybe not over the moon i haven't have yet to watch it but uh it's for kids yeah they're all like they're very sad like dramatic movies i'm like this is not for <laughs> give me something about a cute alien oh, who lands on onward is too so. silly and it's stupid even though it's about a kid like coming to terms with his absent father and seeing his relationship Did with it. his brother it's so good onward so onward yeah, it's y'all not. need to, y'all need to like revisit that one. It's listen all our my third paper from the year, I think it was. No, Love I Onward. cannot. I don't want to sit through anything that I was crying. Anymore. I was crying I so badly. I don't want to. I'm sorry. Paul, talk to my therapist. You'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, Greyhound. Fuck Greyhound. Uh, I mean, I guess best sound, that's fine. I don't like that movie though. And fucking, of course, Jakob likes it. Oh, I'm leaving that in, Jakob. Jakob, you know I like strongly disagree with you on the Greyhound train, but whatever. I, you know what? Okay, the one thing we're not talking about is the uh, the elephant in the room that is Tenet being completely left out for the most part. Yeah, we oh, yeah. none of us, thank God, none of us really like it, but it is shocking. Like uh, one of the things that I've heard uh, rumors is that. Uh, WB just didn't give it to anybody. Um, like no one ever got screeners, um, which definitely hurts. Um, when people what? have to pay to just production design and visual effects, I think so. And production design is a wild category. Okay, and to round out Clapper Caps, we like to end on the crew's latest film recommendations. We're going to do this rather quickly. I don't think we need to be here for a long time. Mentioned last week that I'm doing my 2001 retrospective where I'm watching a bunch of shit from 2001 I never saw, re-watching a bunch of stuff. And one of the big discoveries was The Others. Uh, Nicole Kidman stars in this thriller. It reminds me a lot of an M. Night Shyamalan film. It's really, really good. Um, it's about a mother whose two children have this rare condition to where like they're allergic to light. So it has to be like very dark and you can only use candles. Um, and they start to hear like weird noises and they start to think like maybe there's ghosts in this mansion and they hire these new ser- like helpers around the house, which are kind of suspicious. And it's really, really smart, really well-crafted. Um, I really, really like this one. And it will be an episode of Uncut Gems now. I was like, Yaka, we need to do this one. So it will be on there. Um, Alina, what's your recommendation this week? Uh, mine also references Uncut Gems because Yaka made us watch Never Let Me Go this week. So if you're listening to this on the Wednesday when we release this podcast, in two days, we're talking about Never Let Me Go. Um, it has Carrie Mulligan and Andrew Garfield and Kara Knightley. And I signed up because I was just like, hell yeah, Kara Knightley. And like, I didn't know anything about it going in. And I thought it was just going to be this like cute little British coming of age movie. It's a sci-fi movie. And I was like, honestly shook. 
And like, there is so many like layers to this film that I just did not realize until we discussed it. And I don't understand why it's like, not like a film Twitter darling. Cause it's like this like insane thing that people would like. Anyway, I really want to read the book now. So never let me go. It's great. We're going to talk about it. I'm not going to Awesome. I was super bummed out I missed that episode, but whatever. Uh, Paul, what is your recommendation? Um, I'm actually something weird. Um, I'm going to go with uh, an entire YouTube channel, but specifically one video. Um, Lindsay Ellis does culture criticisms. And um, she did a bunch on um, like the Transformers movies and things like that. But very interesting somewhat related to um, what we've been talking about is her video on the death of the author, um, where she specifically talks about uh, John Green um, for The Fault in Our Stars and um, J.K. Rowling uh, doing things after the books have been released. Um, this was done a couple of years ago. She actually does an update about J.K. in relation to um, you know all the stuff going on with her now. But it is very interesting to see like what um, is going on with uh, death of the author and like a lot of people feel like they understand what it is and kind of just use it to like say, oh, I really like this author, but um, I know they're a bad person, but that doesn't matter or filmmakers or actors and stuff like that. And it's like, that's not really what this was supposed to be used as you could, but really it's supposed to be about, you know, who owns the material? Is it the author or the um, the fans? And I think in relation to Snyder, um, it's really fascinating to look back and see, you know, uh, the fans basically uh, brought the author back to life. If you want to be, you know, super weird about it. So I think it'd be interesting to continue learning. I like how every episode like you're getting continually because I do the tweets of like our recommendations. You're making it continually harder for me to be able to like tweet that out. So thank you for that. I'm sure eventually it's going to be like, I'm going to recommend this fucking like concept and like there's no, <laughs> no. Stupid. I'm going to start recommending NFTs soon. <laughs> Literally like sure that's what's going to be fun to craft, but I'm sure I'll, I'll either skip it or find a way to do it. I have, I have this great, I saw this It'll be like American Beauty. I saw this video of this trash <laughs> flying in the wind. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I would not be shocked if you did. Um, I try to be esoteric. Sorry. Well, we don't appreciate it, but you know, we still, you're still a lot on the podcast. Um, and that's going to be it for this week's episode of Clappercast. This was a very long and weird episode. Um, where can we find everyone on social media? Paul, where can we find you for your esoteric thoughts? Um, I am on uh, Letterboxd at Price Like Tag and also on Twitter at Price Like Tag. Alina. You know it. It's just my name at Alina Falls on everything. So just like, you'll find me. And you know it. My name at VP underscore movie reviews on Twitter. Letterboxd just Carson Tamar. And you can find all the latest releases of film intelligent reviewed at www.clapperltd.com .co.uk. We're on Facebook, we're on Letterboxd, we're on Twitter, we're on YouTube. We have a bunch of content. If you only listen to this, like, we have a whole thing. It's not just a podcast. There's a lot going on here. A lot of great voices. Um, and, you know, make sure on the podcast to rate, subscribe, follow us. New episodes every single Wednesday. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to discuss everything cinema next week. Bye. Bye.